This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Uh, we, of course, will take your calls about what you want. Coming up with a very disturbing story, uh, I guess kind of a follow-up, on the status of the old media and their relationship with the state. Let's go first, though, to your calls, where Travis is on the line in California. Travis, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hello. I'd just like to say I'm uh, a big fan of the show. I uh, just uh, signed up as an amp today. Oh, excellent. So Thank you. Happy to support you. I want to talk about uh, the balance. I was listening to your Thanksgiving episode. There's a lot of talk about religion. And I want to talk about the balance of religion and libertarianism. Um, I am an American Muslim. I practice uh, Muslim values, such as, for example, I don't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. However, as um, those are my personal beliefs, I am against any form of prohibition for any type of intoxicating substance because I feel my religious beliefs are for me, and other people are allowed to practice their beliefs as they see fit. Well, beyond that, would it be virtuous to force people to stop drinking alcohol? Shouldn't they uh, just simply stop because they believe it's a good idea? I think people should just stop for any personal reason and not – I don't think that there should be any laws set um, based on religious values, I, especially in a country where America is supposed to be a free country. Wait a minute, wait I a minute. Think... Didn't you say you were a Muslim boy? Aren't you trying to take over the world and turn everybody into Muslims and kill everybody that don't want to be Muslim? Well, Travis, do you, how do you feel about Sharia law? I think it's. I think the law is is, um, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions. I've studied Islam for you know most of my life now. Um, I think that the law has been misinterpreted, misinterpreted especially from the radicals. I think it's good to apply the laws of a religion to your own life if you are practice if you practice that religion. However, I don't think you should force those laws on people who don't practice your religion. If people want to join the religion and they want to practice the laws of the religion, then then you can go, yes, this is what you're supposed to do. Don't drink alcohol, don't eat pork, don't you know, do this and that. But it shouldn't be forced upon non-believers of that religion. Sure. So what does it mean to be a Muslim to you? I mean, when you hear all of the hatred that is being spewed forth on places like talk radio and in, in other uh, news media outlets, when you hear the ignorance, what do you think, what do you want to correct? What If you could correct Americans that don't get it, to where they might, you know, correct the correct the few most important points about what they're missing about being a Muslim or what they don't understand or what they're getting just drastically wrong. What what would you want to correct? I would think I just want people to instead of listening to what I think a lot of information comes from people who um, either don't know much about the religion or what they know about the religion they didn't get from good sources. I'm actually a convert to the religion. For, um, I've been studying the religion for, um, for over 10 years now. I've been converted for five years. Um, I studied the religion because I heard negative information about it, and before I take a judgment on something, I want to study the information. I want to study it from the true sources, not just what I hear mm-hmm. in the media or other outlets. So I think people should go out and actually, you know, take a, um, an open mind and you know, look at different sources and look at different information and kind of try to study out what's wrong, uh, sort out what's right and what's wrong. Now, there have been some criticisms of Islam about the way they feel about women, the way men treat women in the religion. What has been your experience with that? 
I'm married to a, a Moroccan woman. Um, I've been to Morocco many times. Um, I didn't marry her. I married her after I converted. It wasn't. I didn't convert to marry her, as some people would sometimes suggest. But um, from what I, in the true, in the true sense of the religion, from what I've studied, I feel, I feel like in certain countries, especially Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, the, it has been perverted into a uh, male-dominated religion. In a country like Morocco, actually, when the the current king of Morocco took over. He re-studied the laws, and he grabbed, he um, brought together some uh, religious, um, um, some top religious figures in his country, and said, "I want to be sure women are getting the proper rights that they're supposed to get with the religion." And actually, the laws in Morocco were revamped to give uh, women complete freedom and equal rights to men, which they did not have before. And he did this based on religious texts. So I think. A lot of countries where it's male-dominated, they can pervert the text to make it a male-dominated religion, which I think can be done with any system. Oh well, I mean, if you look at the Christian uh, the Christian wedding vows, you you'd have at, a difficult time uh, to, to uh, convert the Christian religion to being a female-dominated one because it's a male-dominated one. I mean, you'd have Quite a very clear. very difficult time to using their sacred text to call it a female-dominated. Look religion. at the Catholic Church. So basically what I'm, what I'm hearing from you and what I've heard in the past is essentially that Muslims, uh, there's, it's a big religion. I mean, it's, it's huge out there, and, and that means that inevitably, just like the term Christian, there are a lot of different subsects of uh, people that interpret their documents differently. And it seems to me that the majority of Muslims, just like the majority of Christians, are generally peaceful people who don't really necessarily want to push their beliefs on uh, somebody else. But also within their uh, within that subheading of Muslim, there are some radicals who have interpreted things uh, in a different, more dangerous fashion. Would you say that's accurate? I, I think the radicals get more press. I mean, if you want to talk, you, know, you talk about women's rights. It, it, when we practice, when me and my wife practice our religion, she actually has more rights over me because she's decided she doesn't want to work. Um, so I then would have to work to support her. In a typical, in a, in a uh, traditional Muslim relationship, the woman can work, and she has the right to work, but if she says, hey, I just want to stay home and take care of the kids and uh, support the family, then it's my responsibility to go up and make up that end. So, you know, I think I think men will abuse that, and like in Saudi Arabia, they'll take that and they'll, they'll say, well, when, that's because women are less than men. No, actually, it, women are equal to men. It's just in Islam, they have their equal... Um, but they have different roles. Women have the right to take on the family role, but they also have the right to work if they choose to, get an education if they choose to. But whatever they decide to do, the man would then have to make up the other end. And I think it's just the, the radicals get more press. I think it's sure. a sexier message to talk about uh, the people who are, who are oppressing women and blow. And I, and I, can't, I, I completely condemn anyone who uses religion in a negative way or beats it on other people or tries to pass laws. Like, I would never vote for a law um, that would um, put my religion or things that I believe morally on someone else who doesn't practice that religion. If, well I, if I go out and vote, I always vote more in a libertarian fashion because I want someone who's a Christian or a Jew or a Hindu to be able to practice their religion the way they want to, not the way I think. So is it is it a tenet of uh, being a Muslim that you must go and proselytize, as it is in many Christian religions? 
some people do, but you're not supposed to. The the way the thing the way way it's supposed to work is if you were to come to me and ask me about my religion, I am supposed to to deliver you the message. You were to say, "Tell me about Islam," and I would say, "This is this is Islam by the best that I know it." I'm not supposed to make up things that I don't know about, which you'll see some people do. If I don't know, I'll say, "Let me ask this person over here who knows more than me," or go to this mosque over here and ask them because they know more than I do. I'm supposed to deliver the message. You can take that message and do whatever you want with it, but I am not supposed to force you to join the religion, especially if you're in a non-Muslim country, which I think a lot of people get confused on. If you're in a non-Muslim country, you're supposed to respect the law of the land that you're in and not push your beliefs on other people unless they come to you and ask. And if, say, for some reason the country interferes with my religion, like, say, if there's a law passed saying, okay, you can't be Muslim anymore, and my duty is not to interfere with the law of the land, however, probably try to move to a place with kind of almost like a free state project. So wait, are like you saying it, that Muslims are prohibited from doing civil disobedience and that you have to respect the law? You No, you can do civil disobedience, but you're not supposed to push your beliefs onto other people. I see. And you shouldn't interfere. Like, if I say... Um, you know, I, I can't, just because I believe in something because I'm a Muslim, I, I can try to, you know, promote. I can try to promote my beliefs, but I'm not supposed to force them on to other people. Makes sense. And I'm not supposed to, like, you know, as far as the law of the landlord, I, I'm not supposed to, in a non-Muslim country, promote Sharia law. Travis, I want to thank you for taking the time to explain uh, explain your beliefs. I think it I think it's helpful to a lot of people. I know it is to me to uh, to mm-hmm. understand more about world religions. Thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. We've got some great Muslim listeners out there. There's no doubt about it. It's Free Talk Live. It's time. Wake up. This is just in case you care. And yeah, I'm talking to you. That's my booklet of truth for the people of America and the wake up call for action to save our freedom. Get a copy for you and your friends at yamtalkingtoyou.com and get involved with saving our country. That's yamtalkingtoyou.com. If you want to be part of the solution, otherwise, just go back to sleep. You'll adjust to enslavement. This is Free Talk Live. We invite you to take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including the wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. You can go and edit the wiki to your heart's content. You can edit almost anything that you see there at wiki.freetalklive.com. That is wiki.freetalklive.com. And uh, the uh, gold and silver have been rocketing up over the last couple of days. I've uh, been looking at the charts, and I'm just amazed at it. We've uh, got really... I've I've picked out some uh, coins, gold and silver, that I think are relatively easy ones for people to to start collecting gold and silver. And I don't mean collecting in the sense of, like, collecting baseball cards, but... You know, getting gold as a hedge against inflation or uh, uh, investment. Go over to gold.freetalklive.com and uh, see the great rates we have over there. It's gold.freetalklive.com. All right, SACL CAI toll-free line 800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls. Ryan is in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ryan. 
Hey guys, uh, I just wanted to to call you and say I was listening to the the podcast the other day and and thought it was uh, wonderful the way you guys were uh, talking about the uh, conspiracy theories and uh, you know chemtrails and all that sort of thing and uh, pointing out the the crack pottery of the whole thing. Yeah, the, well, the conspiracy crowd is an interesting one because in many ways they are probably right about a, a, some of the stuff they talk about, but unfortunately they mix. All of that in together with a whole bunch of cuckoo stuff, and it really makes it so that you really just want to throw out uh, the baby with the bathwater. Right. It's, it, it's, it's amazing how they take so much good information and make it so uh, difficult for people to consume, uh, the general public, um, because they just don't want to be associated with you know, the, 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 the way that it's just delivered. Did you hear the show last night where we were playing the clip from the, uh, the We Are Change 9-11 Truth guys when they were out screaming in a bookstore? I, I, I did not, but uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll get to that actually later on from my iPod. Yeah, right it, was, now. it was just but, a um, great example of how, uh, you know, a way to, to fail big time at uh, trying to get your word out, whatever it is your word I'm, is. I'm sure it is. Um, now that I've, uh, I've, I've given you the candy, I've, uh, I've told you you're doing well, I'm going to make your heads explode. Okay. Um, the data for the vaccines not being safe is of exactly the same quality. Hang, if you look at that movement, it's exactly the same kind of thing. So you're saying that the data for what vaccines not being safe? Um, the ch no, childhood vaccines in general. So you're just talking about but, child um, childhood vaccines specifically? Um, well, any of them you'd like to talk about. But, yeah, I mean, uh, just the, uh, you know, for instance, Tamarisol causes autism. Um, that's approximately as reasonable as 9-11 as was an inside job. But, I mean, thimerosal has uh, mercury in it, right? I mean, is mercury a good thing to con consume? Salt has uh, chlorine in it. Is chlorine a good thing to consume? Well, when, when salt, is, um, salt has chlorine in it and it's combined into a molecule, that's different. Yes, thimerosal is combined into a molecule. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about thimerosal. I have no idea. I know nothing about chemically, it. It's, chemically, it has about as much to do with elemental mercury as... Uh, so, all does with uh, chlorine gas. Um, you know, I've got, I've looked at some statistics, say on uh, tetanus, for instance. Um, how many cases of tetanus did we have in the last decade in the United States? Oh, there's, there's uh, someone in the vicinity of, uh, you know, three or four dozen a year. Really, that many? Because um, yeah. it was my understanding in the U.S. military, while the guys were uh, running around in World War II, and this quite some time ago, when tetanus was more more frequent, that they had four cases, and two of them were actually from people that were were already vaccinated. So, how many of the people that get tetanus in the United States are vaccinated? Um, actually, I, uh, from last year, I saw that the data said that there were uh, let's see six cases that I'd heard about last year, and. Uh, only one of them had been vaccinated. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the the, you, the data you're getting must be significantly better than the data that I've looked at on these um, issues because better. it's my understanding that um, they don't actually know who's vaccinated and who's not, and they don't check for those things. Um, I, I'm not 100 percent certain. What I had looked at looked to be there may be other data that uh, shows other things, but what I had was you know people that had been vaccinated, people that had not been. I, know, I do know the only tetanus death in the last few years was in an unvaccinated person. Tell me, do you believe that when people, a day or two after they have a vaccination and, and all of a sudden they get really ill or they have neurological problems, do you think that's a coincidence? Uh, many times, yes. Okay.
Interesting. Well, you know, do you understand why people make those um, the, the, those associations in their minds and then don't trust doctors that say, oh, they had nothing to do with it? Because, I mean, if doctors are giving out vaccines and then people get sick from them, people not only distrust vaccines, they distrust doctors. So therefore, doctors are incentivized to uh, to, to then say, well, the, de- the vaccine didn't do it. Do you see how that is and how they might I, misreport I those I, things? Except, that, except that that's not exactly where the uh, incentives are. Because uh, people know there's a certain degree of side effects. So right. if there were actual real side effects, I mean, what, to the extent that there are real side effects, people are incentivized to uh, publicize them because otherwise people would say, oh, you're saying there's no side effects. So you know? I, I have gotten ill from two vaccines. Um, are you saying that I'm crazy? No, no, absolutely not. So there are definitely side effects. Is it a coincidence then that he got sick right after taking a vaccine? There's no way to tell in his particular case. Right. So we'd have to do science. I'd have to take 37 more vaccines, um, you know, in different uh, stages of, uh, you know, uh, blind testing for us to know, in fact, whether or not I'm uh, allergic to vaccine, right? For the the, the flu vaccine, right? For an individual person like that, I I think you're probably fine saying that you are, in fact, allergic to it, but... For a population basis, yes, we have to do science. So do you see how, like, maybe I would make a decision for my child, like, because I'm allergic and he's got my genes and stuff, that I might choose not to get a vaccine for my child, Jack. I mean, does that... Yes, yes. So, you know, I mean, like, to to call that crack pottery um, sounds, you know... I, I believe that you, Mark, are in fact a special case in this particular debate. But um, <clears throat> well, the vast majority is... of people are not. There are a number of other people who have also had situations involving vaccines where people have gotten sick. And I guess, what are you trying to accomplish here, Ryan? Are you attempting to, you know, assuage people's fears about this in order to increase people's compliance with the with vaccines? I mean, do you have a stake in this game? Uh, yeah, well, we all have a stake in this game. We all have, we all, none of us want children to die. Well, yeah, I don't want children to die, but one of the things that I'm worried about is that perhaps, um, I, I don't know what the numbers are, is that uh, vaccines harm some children. You agree with that, right? Um. As far as permanent serious harm, it's vanishingly rare. Well, vanishingly, vanishingly, vanishingly rare. Well, you know, I know, I know some people. In fact, one of my best friends, his daughter became autistic after taking a vaccine, and, and they, she hasn't recovered. They diagnose autism at the times that they give vaccines. I know. Not, I've heard all that stuff. I've heard it all. Is, the science is very, very clear. The science is that mercury is toxic to the brain. <laughs> Hey, the climate, the climate ethyl, science was very clear until last week. Exactly. Yeah, the, the climate science. And, and you know, and, and, yeah, I'm but, also on the other side from you guys on and, that. But, that but every work. study on vaccines has been a cohort study, which means it's funded by the industry or some uh, subsidiary of the industry. Show me the peer-reviewed studies, the independent peer-reviewed studies that aren't paid for by the industry that show that they're safe. And, and, and listen, I'll be on your side, but I haven't seen them, and I've looked a long time for them. So he can email you at wayne at freetalklive.com. Right, That's wayne? right. All right. No one's done it yet. Thanks. Ryan, appreciate it. There's your challenge. 800-259-9231. You're in for it now. That's the... Good. <laughs> That's Bring the, it on, Wayne dudes. loves this stuff, man. Are you kidding? He'll pour over so that all weekend long. I so much vaccine crap. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I just don't feel comfortable putting a bunch of unnecessary stuff like that. I wanted to talk to him about climate, uh, the climate no, change, climate right. gate thing. <laughs> Call back some other time. It's free talk live. 
This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine, nutritious vitamins and minerals and a delicious chocolate taste for your picky eaters. Be sure to visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. With kids, food battles are more about control than about food. If you want to avoid a battle with your picky eater, give them a say in what they eat. At dinner, let them choose between broccoli or fruit salad. At the supermarket, give them three cereals to pick from. The more control they have, the less there is to argue about. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. Free Talk Live, you can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's in with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo to show they are indeed listeners of the show. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com, see it for yourself, and if you're a lady listener, get involved. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies, that's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided with the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers... Up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. I get it, and it's where I do most of my show prep. It's freedoms, uh, freedomsphoenix.com. All right, so uh, we will take your calls about absolutely anything. Plus, we'll talk about things that might be interesting to you, like this disturbing story out of Reuters. And it's kind of a follow-up to something that was hinted at earlier this year. Looks like they're getting pretty serious about it now. Top Democratic lawmaker predicted on Wednesday that the government will be involved in shaping the future for struggling U.S. media organizations. House Energy and Commerce Committee Chairman, that's a mouthful. Bailout, bailout. Yeah, almost. They're getting there. Uh, Henry Waxman said quality journalism was essential to U.S. democracy. No, it's, it's essential for U.S. propaganda is what it is. That's right. Well, eventually, he said that uh, government would have to help resolve the problems caused by a failing business model. You see... The free market has failed again, gentlemen. No, the free market has put these liars out of business. That's what's happening. Well, these are old institutions, and they have value, and we need to keep them. To who? Right, value to the organizations that that benefit from them. People need to have newspapers. They need them. Yes. And we just... You know what we should have is... uh, But you're killing trees. Town criers. (laughs) I mean, we the, the new things with giving yeah, right. people microphones and things like that. That's that's old <laughs> new stuff. We don't need that. We need town criers, good old fashioned guys in the town square hollering out the the day's news. Bring back the lamplighters too while we're at yeah, it. Yeah, we need that. And and uh, just failures, failures of the market, failures, failures that uh, put uh, right. you know shoes on horses. Because the market, because the market only succeeds when everybody who has a job keeps that very same job for the rest of eternity. Right, yeah. absolutely. Right? So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the the mill workers and all that stuff. Those people need jobs. Waxman, they need their jobs. Wax job. They deserve their okay. jobs. Other U.S. lawmakers and regulators are looking into various options to help a newspaper industry hurt by the shift in advertising revenues to online platforms. Tweaks to the tax code to allow newspapers to spread losses over a greater number of years, providing a non-profit structure to allow for public and foundation funding. 
-hmm. And changes to antitrust laws are being considered by lawmakers and policymakers. Now, when they say public funding for a a nonprofit, that means government, right? That's all it could mean. (laughs) Right. That's 100% what it means. So, So this is basically how it seems to be playing out. The newspaper industry is essentially the lapdog. You know, it's one of the, the, the many big media, old media lapdogs uh, for the, the federal government. I yeah. mean, the, the government can put out a press release and the newspaper industry and just, you know, to some extent as well, television and, and radio uh, will we'll just jump on board and, and report that, uh, that press release without question without concern for, for what it means, what the implications are, anything like that. It's, just, it's from the government. It must be true. It's from the government. You know, we, we need to report on this. When it comes to the reporting that they do outside of government press releases, it's all usually pretty favorable to the state. It might be critical of one personality within the state or another personality. For instance, during a uh, political season, a newspaper will choose to endorse a particular political personality over another one. But it's never critical. It's very rarely critical of the state itself, of the apparatus of coercive government. So essentially, they're just... They've always been uh, cozy with the politicians. Well, and- it, it's just a heck of a lot easier for journalists to, uh, you know, take a government press release and sure. call that news than it is for them to actually do their job. Well, plus uh, one of the big factors, and this is uh, from Gardner Goldsmith, who was with us on Monday night. He he's told us about this because he worked for a radio station wherein he was basically told. That if he doesn't didn't go easy on certain political personalities when they were coming in, because Guard's a pretty principled dude, he wants to hold these guys' feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. But if he's to hold their feet to the fire, then the political guy will basically say, whether it's a candidate or whether it's the chief of police or whoever it is that's tied in with politics, that political person will will then basically blackball the radio station or, in this case, a newspaper. The blackball whatever the organi- organization is that treats them mean and nasty they're mean to me they ask me tough questions right so if you ask the tough questions then you get blackballed then you never get an interview again with that, that political person right and and the the bosses put pressure on you not only is it uh you know some kind of pressure for the individual journalist who could then make that decision on their own but it's pressure for that uh media organization that then they put additional pressure on the journalist you know i it's just they can't stand against that you know i remember when i was a kid at one time there was a lot more integrity in journalism than there is today. Today, they have to be whores because if they aren't, they don't go very far in their career. So when you see these big anchors on TV and you see these so-called popular journalists, most of them have had to sell out in order to get to where they are. There are some exceptions, John Stossel, of course, Mm -hmm. being one of them, and certainly there are people that are... There are exceptions, but right? John Stossel but, hit a ceiling with the network he was with, and that's why he left. Because and there were a lot of things he did that they didn't air because they didn't like what true. he had to say. That's true, but you know, give credit where credit's due, right? I mean, yeah. th- th- there's definitely some credit that should be given out there. But in general, mm-hmm. as a, a a general statement about the news media industry across the board, they're very deferential to the state, and they're very obedient. And so, essentially, they've been licking the state's boots for decades now. Yeah. And Increasingly. now, right. And now the uh, the media is the old media is having a tough time. The internet is a big time competitor. It's easier to put news out. It's easier to put uh, audio and and video content out on the internet. And so, therefore, the you know the eyes and the ears are going there. And these other companies are having a, a tough time selling advertising these days, especially in the down economy. That's not making it any easier for them. But, I mean, the statistics don't lie with newspapers. Their circulation is down by millions compared to where it was decades ago. 
and it's just and they're losing more every single year. Now there are exceptions there as well. Uh, weekly free papers are are doing all right. Uh, it's the daily newspapers that are really having the tough time. Some of them have closed their doors, and so what's happening is now the politicians are looking at that and they're saying, "Oh my God, these people have been so good to us for so long. We we must do something. We must help." There's a bunch of our constituents that have extra money. We'll give it to the newspapers that have been so good to us. Right, because... Or we'll print it. What, we'll print the papers? Oh, I'm talking about the print the money to politicians. Oh, print the money, yes. They will certainly be doing that. Uh, You can count on it. But you know what? With all this move of uh, with uh, trying to protect the environment, don't they want to save trees? Apparently, it's not that important. Exactly. When the trees are benefiting them, then it's all right to go ahead and and cut them down. Important trees. And of course, we all know that they'll just plant more trees, but uh, they never point that out. And they don't even want to use hemp paper. Why not use hemp paper then? So rags. But you see, what's happening here is essentially the news media has been very, very deferential to the state. Now the state is going to pay them back for all of the the good that they've done for them over the years by co-opting them ever further, by essentially taking over the the old media. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. That that's what they're beating around the bush at, right? Oh yeah, we're gonna restrain. We're gonna do some tax restructuring. We're gonna tweak some rules here. We're gonna tweak some rules there. We're gonna make it so you can be a nonprofit, which will open you up to public funding. Who doesn't want public funding? Hey, you newspapers, you're having a tough time, aren't you? We've got all this money over here. You could just, you know, take some of it from us, and in return, you'll just have to follow a a few more rules. So just be a, just some new rules, some new regulations. You'll get money out of it, though, and you can stay in business and keep your jobs. Now, isn't that important? That's essentially the pitch here. And what newspaper editor that's already essentially a statist is going to turn that down? Well, wait till you hear them gush about this. We'll uh, share some of the the rest of the story here I'll in a bet. moment. I, I'm, I, believe me, if they were talking about giving me uh, money and Free Talk Live money out of the public coffers, You'd hear me gush about it, too. It'd be great to get all that stuff. The problem is, I already know their game. I know that they're going to then want some level of control over the show. Yeah. And that's oh, what they're yeah. going to get over the newspapers. They've got it already. You're gonna, But even more so. Even now more. it'll be officially, you'll have state-run newspapers. You already have them. 259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it is Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Uh, and uh, those features include the updates. You can get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. As we continue here uh, to share a story that I find pretty disturbing, and uh, I guess it's a it's a harbinger of things to come because they're they're beating around the idea, batting around the idea of essentially giving taxpayer dollars to newspapers to keep them in business. Mm-hmm. Now they're not necessarily coming right out and putting it on the front page, if you will, to say, hey, this is what we're planning on doing. But this, this character Henry Waxman. Uh, the House Energy and Commerce Committee chairman 
has been saying that quality journalism is essential to U.S. democracy and that eventually government would have to help resolve the problems caused by a failing business model. Right. Quality journalism is important to a uh, to, to our to, to any form of government. <laughs> but uh, what's what is the uh, proof that we have that we have gotten it or that we will get it by uh, the government funding it? And isn't the real role of of the media to be a watchdog over government? That's what I thought. But yeah, that's what it was supposed it to be. It won't be after this. If it if it is today and it's not really uh, for the most part, it certainly will not be after they're done with uh, re retooling things up there. But let me let me continue here. Because because there's more than just this politician that uh, that uh, people that want to chime in on this. A, a public interest group called Free Press said <laughs> the search for solutions to the crisis in journalism should be premised on the idea that news gathering, you're gonna love this, is a public service, <laughs> not a commodity. It's a utility. <laughs> Waxman's indication that the government has a role to play is both bold and soberly sensible, said Free Press Policy Director Ben Scott on the sidelines of the FTC conference. Uh, At the Federal Communications Commission, officials are embarking on a quadrennial review of the state of U.S. media. Their study, which is mandated by Congress, seeks to determine whether current rules should be changed to allow for a more vibrant media industry serving a diverse audience. As advertising uh, sales shrink and more people get information and entertainment online, media companies want more freedom to merge and and own multiple outlets in particular locations. Sentiment is also growing that the Internet and other technological advances have rendered media regulation debates obsolete, say industry observers. That, of course, won't stop the government from doing it. Right. I think that a a media company should be able to own whatever they want, wherever they want. Um, Sure. The problem is, is the government's all in it. For instance, if they own um, one or two TV stations in a particular town, they've got a virtual monopoly. Because you can't just put up a TV transmitter without having the FCC jump down your throat. Right. And television basically doesn't get transmitted much anymore. But um, it's the, what about radio? Lots and lots of people get, listen to radio. The numbers are that more than 90% of America listens to radio every day. Now, they may not know they're listening to radio. I understand these are the new PPM numbers, uh, the personal people meter um, numbers, but they, they come in contact with radio every single day, and that's still radiating from a tower. Mm-hmm. And the government decides whether or not you can put up a tower and compete with these organizations. And by the way, last month in the st- here in the state of New Hampshire, uh, they guaranteed a two hundred fifty thousand dollar loan to a mag- to a newspaper that had gone out of business, and it oh, was geez. purchased to a uh, it was purchased by a new owner. And so the state's backing the loan. The loan was actually issued by a local bank, but the state is is being the co-signer, you might say, of the loan. So if the, if uh, if the the paper fails, as the last one did, yes. Uh, if this new paper fails, then the state of New Hampshire, therefore the taxpayers, will be on the hook for the the failure. Well, not, not yes, and not only that, but it also involves a conflict of interest because you have an entity that's that's basically standing behind your funding, who uh, you're supposed to be covering. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to be reporting on the misdeeds of this particular entity, and uh, now they're giving you money. Hmm. Yep. So look for that business model to be spread all across the country. And what did I say that 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 a uh, you know strong journalism is important to a democracy or something, yeah, like, something that? like that? Yeah, something like that. It's a public be- service. It now. has to be. That's because it has to be independent in order to have a strong democracy. When the state owns an organization, I mean, what, look. Um, that, well, they're not going to come right out and own it outright. They're going to do halfway um, moves sure. like they are with the one that Wayne was talking about, or making it so uh, so these people can be uh, that these businesses can. Re- 
restructure as nonprofits, which uh, completely changes the the way they have to do their business. Mm-hmm. And as they're saying here, can open open them up to public funding. They could do so, not profit not for profit anyway if that's what they wanted to do, and then pay their employees however they paid their employees. But for whatever reason, newspapers have decided not to do that, and that's their choice. Right, a church can a church could put out a newspaper, could they not? Sure, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, any newspaper could decide. Well, we want to go not for profit now, um, if, if that's what they wanted to do, and for whatever reason, they haven't done that. And you know, it's not like the technology of the internet is all that whiz bang and everything. The nice thing about the internet is you can get the information you want when you want it. However, the reason why people are turning away, in my opinion, to, from the mainstream magazines and newspapers and television, is because they're not getting the truth. So they have to go to the internet to get the truth. I think that's a factor. Let's talk to Johnson in Connecticut on the amp line. Johnson, you're on Free Talk Live. Well, I just wanted to mention in relation to this conversation, um, the new guidelines that the Federal Trade Commission has placed on bloggers. Um, I don't know if you guys have mentioned it already, but uh, they're now requiring all bloggers, um, you know, for example, if, if a blogger received like a promotional copy of a video game or a book or something like that, and writes a positive review about, about it online and doesn't mention it, then that blogger is guilty of ad fraud. Um, <laughs> if a blogger is related to an advertiser in any way, um, they now have to disclose um, exactly what, you know, what one can expect from a product. In other words, if there's uh, like in, in straight uh, regular advertising, an advertiser might have to say something like, these results are not typical. And now bloggers have to uh, undergo the same sort of scrutiny because apparently your average consumer isn't capable of, you know, caveat emptor and, and, and looking out for themselves. They have to be told that uh, the, the blogger has a relationship with the advertiser. I want my mommy. You know, this is interesting uh, because, well, first of all, it's outrageous. Uh, secondly, because it's a major reach into regulating the, the arena of the Internet by the federal government. Uh, but secondly, how many blogs are there out there? I think Technorati uh, catalogs, oh, I don't know, what, a billion of them or something yeah, like that? Yeah, how could this ever be done? It's just intended to go after individuals. Yes, selective enforcement to harass people. Well, it's a moneymaker. That's how all these laws work. I mean, it's, it's just revenue. It's revenue generation. They'll find people. Yeah, you're right about that. That's well. That's just it, right? They're going to find people uh, that they don't like. They're going to target people for fines that uh, the, the target blogs that they want to get rid of, and they'll just pull this regulation up and say, "Well, let's see, we've got regulations here. You what? You didn't know this? You mil- you billion bloggers out there didn't get the press release on this? Aren't you all paying attention to every single thing the Federal Trade Commission does? We can't have you just running around blogging unregulated, you know." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. So what's next, Johnson? I mean, this is where it starts, right? What are they going to do now? Right. That's the point. Yeah, exactly, is, is what's next. I mean, uh, essentially, and it's all, this is under the guise that, you know, it's protecting people and helping people. You know, we're making sure that you're being honest, you know, because you might be lying about, uh, you know, supporting an advertiser, which I suppose, actually, if someone were to actively say, right, say um, – I were to get on, you know, say I got a couple of free tota sacks, right? Right. And I get online and I blog about how they're the best tota sacks in the world. And, you know, if I were to say, but I'm not affiliated with the advertiser in any way, and if I were to specifically make that lie, then I could see how that would be fraud. Mm -hmm. But 
just not mentioning it, you know, if you're reading a review online, isn't it? I mean, it shouldn't it be kind right. of you, you assume that you got to take all opinions with a grain of salt. I, I, mean, I, 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 think I, you, I think you're right. I don't think it's fraud in the sense that, um, you know, where is the victim of that particular fraud? Everybody who read it. I think that that fraud is probably best handled um, on the forum that it was, uh, you know, that perpetrated in, which is the internet. And you know, if you say that you, for instance, uh, you know, got a got a pair of tota sacks and then you uh, blog positively about them, and then, uh, but you said that, well, but I didn't get anything for free, and I have nothing. I I don't know who these people are. They've just got a really great product, and somebody figure, figures that out, and somebody would have to figure that out, right? Um, then say Ian figures it out. He gets on his blog and then you know titles it Johnson scam. And the first thing that comes up when, you know, he puts Johnson blog scam in your uh, you know, startpage.com search engine um, is that that blog. And then so people who decide to look it up that way would be able to figure it out. Yeah, but, you know, when you go online to research a product, do you buy ba- based on one review? No, I may, not. I may very well do that. However, one thing I do when I buy products is I often do, and I learned this from Ian, is I'll put into StarPage.com, I'll put, you know, whatever, scam. And then I yeah. get to find out what other people have to say about it. If the reviewer is trustworthy and I have uh, trusted their advice in the past, then I might on one review. That's a possibility. Thanks, Johnson, for the update on that. It's disturbing. More coming up. Hour two is on the way. You can take control and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's FrontSight.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, one 800 Two five nine ninety two thirty one tonight. It's Ian with you and Wayne and Mark, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site they are completely free, so enjoy those on us again. Freetalklive.com. Uh, so we continue here. We will take your calls about whatever you want. And I know Mark, you wanted to tell us something. Someone sent you an email, I suppose, about SWAT recruitment. Um, this is uh, it, it's entitled FTL and America, and um, it's written by Brandon. If you've been in a government high school in the last, well, 50 years, you're probably aware of the increasing level of recruitment campaigns targeted the, um, targeting one of the most impressionable of social classes. There's no secret that governments need the, those healthy, unexperienced fish to carry on the immoral wars for the eternal occupation of the world. High but, in testosterone, preferably. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it's it's absolutely the right 
uh, target. I mean, obviously, you know, they, gullible. Yeah, they have just the right um, uh, combination of gullibility, uh, testosterone, anger. Um, They're in government school, so they've been prepped. Right. They 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 don't seem to have the attachment to uh, harming people in the. You know, they don't they don't feel the the pain in their soul. Nothing to lose. Harming people, um, and uh, you know, they haven't gotten their careers yet. Uh, you know, the, these and and of course, young men can go long distances. You know, march long distances. Um, they're better able to jump out and actually catch the the flying hard bullet in the air that they mm-hmm. they need to catch. Um, you know, they're they're just physically and mentally and emotionally they're the very best targets for military recruiters. Right, and they got them right there in the government schools where they can do all that recruiting they want to do. It's it's wonderful yeah, for them. Yeah, it's brilliant. So anyway, it says um, th- there seems to be a new target in the proverbial crosshairs. Me. This has been a growing mm. concern. This is Brandon. <laughs> he says, it's been a growing concern of mine for some time, but now the scourge of police recruitment strategies has risen to a level rivaling large corporations. Just so, th- so he's saying it's not just in the high school anymore is, is what he's saying? Well, I don't think that uh, police uh, recruitment is going on as so much in the high schools as I much see. as military recruitment. But he's pointing out a yeah. new sort of level. And I've noticed, I've noticed it, but I'm not in the same age bracket as Brandon is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't. I don't get as much of it, but I've had people forward these recruitment ads to me, and I think that there are a lot of them out there. Um, these these sort of be in the SWAT team. A SWAT officer makes seventy to eighty thousand dollars a year, trying yeah. to be one in as little as a few months. Be Financial you, aid available. Tuck, 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 tuck. You know, be all kind. you can be, all that right. stuff. You know, I remember in high school we had, uh, and this was back in the seventies, late seventies. We had the the uh, Marine Corps physical fitness team. In, in the in the high school, mm-hmm. and I, I was I was a member of it because I wanted to get some extra reps in uh, uh, during the winter, especially. And and I ended up taking some aptitude tests and all that stuff. Sure, and, the and ASVAB. They, yeah, and they they heavily recruited me, but I said I want to go to college, and and they didn't pursue me any further. But that's been going on for a while. But it seems like lately, it's it's they're stepping it up. It, it seems like it to me, um, and this is not just military, but it's you know the cops too. Just this morning, my consciousness was. Per, uh, penetrated by four individual messages, four separate messages urging me to join up with the SWAT team, police, jail, and other citizen, citizen management authorities. Never before have I seen so many attempts to co-opt my productivity for the benefit of the government. Hmm. I see billboards, internet banner ads, vehicle windshield wiper cards, and an array of other tactics to get my attention, most offering ridiculously comfy salaries and the promise, promise of bettering humanity. This doesn't surprise me as I'm plugged into the <laughs> LibertyRadioNetwork.com, and I'm aware of such similar campaigns, but I feel like many others, especially males 18 to 25, lives may be at risk. They are simply latching on, not the ones that have criminal records, though. They, they, they screen those out. <laughs> the ones lucky enough to get some kind of silly uh, criminal charge mm, in there. Depends. Yeah. I mean, you, you can get caught with drugs, and you could still be a cop. Well, that, that's news to me. Depends on the department, I think. And by the way, with the current state of the economy, uh, kids are even more susceptible to this, these messages because where are all the good jobs out there when you get out of school? Yeah. Even if you get out of college. I mean, a lot of college kids are working in bookstores. Yeah. Right. You can't just, you know. and you can't just start out at $70,000 in the, uh, the corporate world at most jobs. You're, you're going to get 20000 or 15000 or, or something like that at an entry-level position. But here they are saying sixty to $70,000, $80,000. It's exciting. It's adventurous. You get to wear boots. Yeah. Yep. They're simply latching on to the use of uh, social networking advertisement. Are they, excuse me, are they centri- uh, simply latching on to the use of social networking advertisement strategies and street 
median billboards, a monopoly privilege in my city at least, or are they ramping up for an even greater presence in our lives? As I said earlier, mm. I'm no stranger to the attempts of government bodies at stealing my precious time and productivity, but never before have I been pursued so vehemently. So um, he interesting, yeah, sends a uh, uh, website here that uh, that he keeps they keep on trying to lead him to. But what is it? Um, it's called mycriminaljusticecareers.com. He says uh, go there just in case it's pay per click. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's talk to Jeff in Idaho. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeff. Jeff. Hello, you guys. Hey. I've, uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, here for the past week, um, I, I, I'm in a situation where I'm getting ready to, uh, I mean, my wife and I are going through divorce, basically. Ooh, sorry to hear that. And... <laughs> Um, apparently somebody's trying to sue me at the same time. Oh, boy. And they've been showing up to my former place of residence, and uh, at this point they have threatened my wife with delaying and obstructing an officer. They um, threatened your wife? Quest- yes, my, well, soon-to-be ex-wife. Right. And um, my question to you is, I mean, what do you think I should do from this point? I mean, I, I know... Um, Previously, Ian, you have said that you don't have to answer the the door to police, and and I I, I normally haven't. How did they threaten I mean, your wife exactly? How did that come about? And and are you guys divorcing on amicable terms? I mean, I it's just it, it's I don't know. It's it's a, a fight that her and I have been having for quite a while we can't really seem to come to terms with each other and it's just pretty much time for us to separate and at the same time i mean her and i still talk because we we still have in interest two two children Mm -hmm. you know so i need to take care of my children and 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 she does as well and and i mean they, they they still need to have parents so how was it that they how was it that they threatened her exactly how did that go about Happening. Apparently, an officer showed up to my house, or well, my former <laughs> house. I'm still getting used to this. I'm sorry. Sure. And and they and they tried to serve her, and um, I mean, tried to serve me, and they've tried to do this. I guess this is the third time that they've tried to do this, and she's been telling them that I'm not here. So they don't believe so it. They've, they threatened her with obstruct and delay. Right. I've looked my name. I've looked my name up. Uh, fortunately, the sheriff's department has basically a warrants list. So I've looked up my name, and I have no warrants. I have no wants of any kind. And so, right, they're just I mean, trying to looks- serve you with papers. Uh, so, so they they're saying they don't believe her when she's telling them that you're not there, and that's why they're going to charge her with that. Apparently so, and I made contact with the officer this evening because uh, she told me the name, so I called, and the the sheriff's department had him call me back. He uh, he did call me back, and and sure. I, I, I I let him know that we were going through divorce and stuff, and he said that uh, she didn't tell him that. She just told him that she wasn't accepting papers. And he would have understood if that was the words that had come out of her mouth that we were going through divorce. So did she say? Did she say that or not? She had told him, "I'm not accepting papers. I'm not accepting them." Okay. 
Good for her. I don't blame her for that. Uh, I think that what you're dealing with here is they're attempting to intimidate her into doing what they want her to do, and that is to, you know, give up information about your whereabouts. Yeah, but they may come harder. Um, you know, I think that this is one of those instances where, you know, a little more information might have uh, might have kept them from, uh, you know, because likely maybe. But if she'd never answered the door in the first place, they wouldn't have is, known who she. That much is know. true. So. I'm in, I'm I'm ready and willing. I mean, if if I owe money to somebody, you know, by all means, I'll pay it. But but you know, them intimidating my family is not is not. I mean, it's it's not okay to me. Well, so. that's what they do. <laughs> so. I informed him that that his department would be receiving a letter from my attorney. Well, the and, only way to get uh, it to stop will be to, to to allow them to serve the papers on you. Otherwise, they're just going to keep trying until they're until they're successful, as I understand it. Well, this, the oh, thing is, we can bring it back. Hang on. More, more coming up in moments. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Live streams are there. we got a broadband version of the show, dial-up version, webcam, and even... The brand new Free Talk Live Listen Lines. Get all the details and get tuned in at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Hey, would you like to make uh, um, would you excuse me? Would you like money sent to your PayPal account? Were you born in an English-speaking country? If you answered yes, yes, then go to english.freetalklive.com and discover how to fatten your PayPal account by using a microphone, the internet, and your English. You'll be your own boss and make money online. Go to english.freetalklive.com. All right, so we continue here. Uh, Jeff is in Idaho telling us that the cops are after him, the sheriff actually in particular, looking to serve some sort of paperwork. You believe that you may be uh, being sued by someone, and they uh, at the same time you're going through a divorce with your soon-to-be ex-wife. You're not living in the house that you used to live in. So that's where they came to find you. They ended up finding her, threatening her with obstruction of justice because she didn't, I guess she didn't reveal your, your whereabouts to them. And so she got scared. She called you. You have since called the sheriff, and you were trying to, to get something out before you had to, to run a break there. So go ahead with your thoughts. Yes, I, uh, I ended up making uh, contact with the officer. And, I mean, over the phone, I called the uh, police department and just to find out what was going on. And I, I was talking to him. Uh, he refused to give me his name. I mean, he, he gave me his name when he first made contact with me, but I tried to get it again so I could write it down. Asked him. He, he told me uh, really fast. I asked him to spell it. He refused to spell it. Asked him who his supervisor was, if I could speak to his supervisor. He told me no, and he would not tell me who his supervisor was. Hmm. So How friendly my, and service-oriented. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I mean, basically, what I'm faced with right now is, is I mean, I, I don't know if if there, I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't know if I can file some kind of case in court or if. What would you file? I'm sorry. What would you file in court? I mean, they're just doing their job. I have no idea. I mean, 
in 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 trying to do their job. I mean, I'm working in another city. Mm-hmm. In trying to do their job, they they've uh, basically verbally assaulted somebody. They're, fu- they're fully mean. it's fully legal for them to do that, right? Well, verbally assaulted. What do you mean? They, they scared they, someone. They they told your wife that they would uh, bring her up on charges for obstruction. Exactly. Right. That's they cops are trained to lie. You understand that, right? Yes. Okay, so it's fully legal for them to lie to your ex or to your wife's face. But they're not lying. They can bring her up on obstruction charges. They may man. not be able to bring her up on obstruction charges. Oh no, no, they'll bring her up on them. They may not be able to make them stick. There's that possibility. But I mean, That's true. you know, what does this guy lose if he brings her up on obstruction charges and she gets out, or you know, he just tosses her in jail for the night? He's he's not making empty threats to well, your wife. They're more likely to. He's just making be... very real threats well, to your wife. I would say they're more likely to be empty. They're more likely to uh, to just be intimidated. Because they don't want to fill out the paperwork. Maybe they don't want to you're do just th- you're just speculating. I am speculating. And and the thing is, I'm I'm speculating as well. But the thing is, is I'm halfway leaning towards somebody might be trying to sue me, and I'm halfway leaning towards. Um, uh, about a month ago, I received a letter for jury jury duty, and I never showed up. Uh-oh. So I don't know. Ooh, oh boy, there you go. That's... I don't know which one it is. Yeah, it might be the latter. I, they're pretty serious about that uh, jury duty stuff. I mean, they call it a duty for a reason. Uh, because they believe that you have to uh, participate. In fact, I've actually got a jury duty related story. I would say w- when you were talking to the sheriff, did he say, "Hey, let's get together," or where where did that conversation end? Yes, he told he told me that I needed to contact him uh, in person within the next twenty four hours, or I would be held for delay and obstruct as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I mean, are you planning on leaving the area, or are well, you going to stay there? I, I, I think that a very you know, good, a mean, very good I way. Mean, hold on, Mark. I'd like to get an answer to my question. When when I say that that we're going through divorce, it's still I mean it's not a it's not a for sure thing. So I mean I might end up sticking around. As mm-hmm. it is, I mean, I already work a um, hundred miles away from from where I live. I can tell you so. the of uh, 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 the very best way to make this as bad as possible is to stay in contact with the officer and then not do what he says because it makes it personal. And um, you know, if you're if you're going to try to duck out on this jury duty thing or whatever, then you know, just don't contact him again. But. I, at, at this point, what your what your uh, practice seems to be is to talk to him about it, but you're not ready to go and you know get whatever information from him. And to him, that's that's like annoying as heck. You know, he's, you're 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 abusing his authority by uh, doing that. And he just he, that that's of course, as you know, the very worst thing that you can do with these authority figures is. Um, well, you know, and the really the really funny thing is, he's like a 90 year old man. My wife found it like like humorous. She was laughing when she called me because uh, hmm. because he's so old. He's like ninety five. Y'all live out in the I woods guess, or something like that? On the, you know, a little town, or you live in a, a city um, area? It's 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 Twin Falls, Idaho. I think the population here is around forty thousand. Okay. So uh, I don't know, guys. What do you think he should do? I think that he's uh, he's already up to his neck in in a, in a kind of a big way here by number one, the the wife answering the door in the first place. And then number two, you actually calling him. But I can understand why you called him because you didn't want your wife to be angry at you for putting her in what she perceived as was uh, greater jeopardy by not uh, bowing down to this guy. Do you know Anyways, an attorney? How, how can they? How can they charge me or any of my family members if I never personally talk to them? Well, they can't. Tr- they can't. Uh, tr- 
uh, charge at family members because they're not involved. They're probably bluffing there. But if you if if they're coming after after you for jury duty, then they're pretty serious. And um, you, maybe you can find out from afar what the real issue is. And if you have an attorney or you know an attorney, you might want to talk with them. Have the attorney meet up with the uh, the copper, you right? Mean? Exactly. And that seems like a the, probably the you know it, that, that's I think the best solution, but it's not cheap. And no, it's not. If you don't happen to have uh, an attorney who's a good friend, and you know that can't happen for have, everybody. Maybe have a friend with a video camera that might help. Oh, that's going to be a great idea. Well, if you're going to go meet the cop, why wouldn't you want to have a video camera with Just you? Just get your piece of paper, man, and go home. Get to, so that your wife doesn't hate you. And <laughs> I mean, it's just a piece of paper. Uh, it's a piece of paper that will likely have a court date on it or something you like that. You don't think that you're going to get it anyway? They're when they pull get... your butt over, you're going to get it, and you're going to get it good. I'm just saying I can't believe, Mark, that you're advocating not having some recording device around when dealing with bureaucrats. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do to help keep yourself safe. It's not the first thing that you do in these circumstances if you're trying to avoid trouble. If someone, if He's got the trouble coming to him. He knows this is trouble, so you bring the damn video camera. I, yeah, I, I, I think Wayne you have, is nodding. Wayne have is the a, video camera. I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know that it's necessarily a good idea. You'd sound, it sounds like you're already teasing this, this lion, and uh, you know, I don't think it's a, a great idea. And as all you have to do is watch some of the Freekeen activists on uh, Freekeen.com, and you will see just how nasty bureaucrats can get when you shove cameras in their faces. Well, whatever, Mark. So it sounds to me like you're saying bow down and just do what the cop says. I'm saying bring a video camera along or audio recording device to make sure you're protected, That to make sure that uh, the scene is recorded, and let them know. I don't know what the, the laws are there in that state about uh, notifying people that they are being recorded, but uh, it may be a good idea to let them know that they're being recorded if you're doing it somewhat surreptitiously. And thank you and good luck. Please let us know what happens, will you? Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You've said in the past, Mark, that you think that people should have, at least I recall this, having recording devices anytime they the deal new with gun. bureaucrats. I don't think you should go out and shoot people. I said, uh, you have said that they should have it anytime they deal with bureaucrats you should. in the past. You should have it. You're saying, oh, you're saying don't use it. Uh, you don't use it in, right away. More coming up. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Dot com. Uh, so, oh, by the way, freetalklive.com features include the archives. So if you missed a moment, just click and download. They're yours for free at freetalklive.com. How would you like to get a non-lethal weapon in the hands of your loved, loved one this, uh, with a stopping power that rivals that of a handgun this holiday season? It's a Tiger Light. It's an incredibly bright flashlight with an integrated pepper spray. Its high level of utility comes from the fact that it is out and in your hand, unlike all other weapons. Obviously, you don't walk around with a gun in your hand. There is no expectation by the perp that you have a weapon. It's the Tiger Light. You can get one today at tiger.freetalklive.com. It's a Christmas special right there, tiger.freetalklive.com. All right, so we're going to continue taking your calls in a moment. And, in fact, we'll come back to the jury duty topic since uh, Jeff in Idaho brought it up. But Jeff in Idaho was talking about what should he do. He's got the sheriff out there in Twin Falls looking for him. And he wasn't at home because he's no longer living with his wife. They're going through divorce. Uh, They threatened his wife, and she got scared. She contacted him. He then contacted the sheriff. 
yeah, it's probably going to take the heat off of his wife, which, you know, that's what he wanted to happen. Um, but now he was wondering what to do. And, Mark, you're suggesting that he be a good little serf and go in there uh, and just, you know, meet up with the sheriff. And I said bring a video camera along. You said you'd be fine with that, but that he shouldn't use the video camera. I don't think you should go uh, flashing video cameras in bureaucrats' faces if you don't want trouble. Okay, and what I'm trying to say is he's got trouble, so yes. why not bring the video camera? He's got trouble, but he's got normal, everyday trouble. This this uh, 80-year-old man or whatever it is that he's talking about here, it's every day that's that people... his whole job, yeah. is he delivers pieces of paper to people that are kind of difficult to find, mm. and if, if you're just you're the average difficult-to-find person, he's not going to have some kind of vendetta against you. Now, I don't know if this guy's a real law enforcement officer, if he's just some kind of uh, paper server or whatever he is. Sound like a sheriff to me. It, it, yeah, that's what it sounds like to me, too. Yeah. So if you're dealing with a sheriff, a guy who's armed and has the right to, to arrest you if he feels like it, um, has the ability to arrest you if he feels like it and toss you in jail for a couple of days just, mm-hmm. just for kicks, um, then I don't think that you should go messing with that guy because there's really no benefit to it. So what you're saying is that all of the cop watch uh, chapters around the country should just shut down and stop doing what they do. The cop watch chapters provide a good service. They go out and they, they're, they're looking at, they're a third party observer. They're essentially the press but they're putting cameras in police's faces and if the police wanted to they could target them for retaliation which is what you're saying what might happen but to they're uh, legitimate or they've, they've already d- developed themselves as an organization a cop watch is an organization so i don't yeah, think but, that but, you're going to do very well just sort of doing your own citizen cop watch thing but I, I i'm for it look man if you want some trouble from the cops Bring a big old camera, as many as you can get. Get all your friends with cameras and, and you know, stick them right in this cop's face and see how it goes for you. Well, one thing if I agree you, with you on, Mark, is that uh, Jeff should probably, if he wants to do activism like this, the best place for it is in New Hampshire. But that said, some people feel like they can't move here to New Hampshire. And I'm not going to tell those people that they shouldn't be doing these things. I'm not going to tell those people that they shouldn't be arming themselves with cameras and, and audio recording devices. And Please. yes, obviously, it will possibly increase the level of conflict that you have with these people. I'll tell you one thing. That but you it might will... also keep you safe. One thing, it, it might, but it, I doubt it will in the early stages. If you just whip it out the first thing, um, the, the, the camera out at, at right away, then I think that you're going to have more trouble than you likely would. I, get, I have been stopped, I can't tell you how many times, and I almost never get a ticket. Why? Because I know how to deal with bureaucrats. And that's, you know, that's a skill. If things went poorly, I would have my camera out, and then I would start recording things. Mm-hmm. But the last thing I'm really looking for is an interview on Free Talk Live and being able to call myself one of Ian's super activists, because I got my butt thrown in jail. I'm not looking for that. It, the people that are... God bless them. Go out there and do super activism in Idaho or wherever it is you are. Don't you think that if more people showed up with video cameras for their little meetings with bureaucrats where the bureaucrats are planning on aggressing against them, that that might have an effect? I think if uh, if, if more people uh, you know, took guns out of cops' holsters and threw them into gutters, that we'd have fewer people shot. However, the first ones that do it are going to get bullets that's in their right. heads. Somebody has to be the first. Yep, that's right. So be, what you're saying is, Be Mark, the raving lunatic. <laughs> The pioneers yes. always get shot in the back, they yeah, say, yeah. but well, you, it, it's, you need them. Right, right. It's certainly, it's risky being out on the leading Very edge risky, of, of yes. an activism movement. So you're so. asking me to advocate that somebody act in a risky fashion? I'm not fashion? asking for you to advocate anything. I'm just having a discussion with you here, and I'm saying that you're advocating that people be serfs, and I'm advocating that they stand up for themselves. Yes, standing up for yourself means that you're going to have an you know, extra bit of risk. Being a serf means, uh, being a slave means that you're likely to not get kicked too hard. Let's go to your calls uh, about what you want. It's John in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, John. 
Yo, hi, guys. Hey, you're on how the you, How you doing tonight? What's on your mind, John? Uh, well, I'll give you a little background on myself. I was the uh, Libertarian Party candidate for U.S. Senate here in Ohio back in 2000. Okay. And in 2001, I was elected to a city council in a suburb of Columbus, Ohio, called Gehanna, a town of about 35,000. And I've been on council for the last eight years. Uh, this past year, I've made it a point to uphold my oath to the Constitution, which every elected official has to take. They, they say an oath to uphold the Constitution when they're sworn into office. Right. Well, you know, I think I've stumbled on something here, hmm. because um, <clears throat> I have uh, written an article on this, uh, posted it at a website called localpoliticians.net. The only thing on that website is my article, and it's a, an essay and a, and a kind of a format as to how we can take back our Constitution uh, by holding local politicians accountable. Now, how do you do that? Well, uh, the same way that Davy Crockett's constituents held Congress in check. What's that mean? And I've got Northwest? a reference. I've got a reference to the great Davy Crockett story in the uh, in the essay. In other words, the Constitution doesn't have any more power than what we the people give it. If we the people don't care about it, then nobody else cares about it. Least of all Congress. And when you think about where. Congress critters come from. Most of them come from uh, you know state legislatures. Where do a lot of these state legislatures come from? Gee, local politicians. So if we had everybody in America that listens to talk radio, from your program all the way up to Rush Limbaugh, if they would just take a half an hour of their time on a Monday night or a Tuesday night or whenever city council meets, and go down to their local city council and monitor the way these guys are voting, are they upholding their oath? For example, uh, I had to vote no on, a, on an ordinance called Safe Sidewalks to Schools. Why? Because there's no authority in the Constitution under Article One, Section 8 for the federal government to be giving out money to local city councils so that they can design some kind of safe sidewalk to their school program. Um, I had to vote no on buying three police cruisers. Well, you Why? had to vote no because you wanted to vote no because you're a libertarian candidate from 2000 or something like that. Well, but it's, who's... Beca it's because what does your oath to the Constitution mean? Yeah, but how do you uh, – if I go to these uh, these these city meetings, which um, I suspect I'll be spending more than a half an hour there if I do go, but if I go, how do I hold my, con my, my elected uh, local critter uh, accountable? I mean, the best okay. I've ever seen is it's, they do whatever the hell they want to. It's all explained in my essay. I have okay. a simple – action plan in there, Mark or, or Ian, whoever Hi, was speaking, uh, you know, there is a simple action plan in there, and, uh, you know, it's the same exact way that Davy Crockett's constituent held him accountable. I, I, well, I'm interested in it. Uh, it's localactivist.org, you said? It's localpoliticians.net. Okay. That's politicians with an S. I don't think that what you're suggesting is necessarily a bad idea, but people have been going to city council meetings for a long time, and maybe it's just all the wrong well, people. Well, when's the last time your city council race for, for your candidates, when's the last time the Constitution was the issue? 
and whether or not they were upholding it. I, it would seem like a local official wouldn't have really any responsibility to the federal constitution. Oh, really? Oh, just... really? Then why does he swear an oath to uphold it? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Okay. Thanks for the so call tonight. I appreciate guys... it. Good luck with your website, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, one 800 259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, and they include our chat room. Just go to chat.freetalklive.com. You can get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners during the show, or sometimes uh, they hang around after the show, and you never know. It's open 24 hours a day, so who knows what you'll find in there at chat.freetalklive.com. And uh, Free Talk Live is brought to you by Jason Osborne at uh, SACL CAI. He's a huge advocate of liberty. I've said it on multiple occasions. He's the uh, the John Hancock of the liberty movement. Mm-hmm. So if uh, he absolutely sure is. is. So if you um, have a business or know of one or you know work uh, you know accounts receivable at some business, perhaps uh, SACL CAI might be the, uh, the 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 organization to take care of that for you. It's SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. All right. I, before we continue, I just want to comment a little further on what John in Ohio was suggesting there. I don't think it was necessarily a, a bad idea. No, I think it's a good idea, idea. Of, of people going to these city councilor uh, gang meetings and uh, keeping an eye on things. In fact, Wayne, it's something that you do on a regular basis. One of the reasons why you're here every other Wednesday night is because, well, the other Wednesday nights you're at the little town selectman meetings where you live in New Hampshire. Yeah, you know, I don't approach it as keeping an eye on so much as I keep, I, I approach it as, as establishing a relationship with because. If I can get my views known, and if I know everything that's going on in the town, then um, I'm in a better position to affect change and, and at least make them aware that there's a lot of people who don't want what they think they want. Mm-hmm. Because w- the problem we had in our town is that a lot there's a few people who were a vocal minority who wanted all this new spending. And when they would, would come up for a vote, they'd get their heads handed to them every time. So a lot of the people in the select board and other uh, committees were under the impression that everybody wanted this stuff when really uh, nobody wanted it, just this few people who were always hounding them. Right. Most people don't say anything. Most people don't get involved. Uh, I mean, I live in a small city of 25,000 people, and I can tell you that 99.9% of them are probably not going to any city council meetings ever. And it's probably the same way in most places across the country. But the one thing I really disagreed with John on, and I didn't really feel like jumping in because we didn't have a whole lot of time left in the segment uh, and, and creating conflict with, the, with that particular call. But the one thing I really disagree with him on is the constitutional approach. Number one, we the people didn't sign the Constitution. I didn't sign it. Nobody here living uh, has signed it. John was the only one of the people that was on that phone call that actually swore an oath to it. He's, he's well, the he's city councilor. Well, he's only proposing that you hold the bureaucrats to that oath. But the problem with that, my problem is that you can't. Because everyone's interpretation of the Constitution is different. So you can say, hey, you're not in 
upholding uh, freedom of speech. Well, it's not my interpretation. My interpretation is blah, 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 Freedom, blah. Freedoms come with, uh, you know, the Supreme Court has said blah, right, blah, blah. Right, right, right. So, I mean, it, I agree with you that, uh, you know, the Constitution is, uh, it does seem to be a, um, like a, a tar pit where you get in there and then you can't get out. You're trying to argue these constitutional things. Right. You at, may know that, you may know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You may have spent hours studying it. You may have... Uh, read books about the Constitution. You may have read the uh, the other papers that the Founding Fathers wrote. You may be very well versed, but it doesn't matter what you think. Uh, well, I guess it matters for John because he actually is on the, the city council where he is, but most people are not. He's yes. talking about most people attending these meetings. So it won't matter what you say. You can, you can make all the claims you want about the Constitution, but as long as there's that general welfare clause and as long as there's that other clause, Interstate and, compact. You know, whatever, yeah. then they'll just fall back on that, well, and like you say, with the Supreme Court. So what I would come at it from is if I was going to uh, encourage this behavior of people going to uh, city council meetings, and I don't think it's a bad idea. I really don't, uh, but I'm working. And a lot of people are, and or busy. Or yeah, oh, I'd absolutely be at my um, town selectman meetings if I wasn't working. But that's the problem is that you know they're during my time slot. I, I advocate what the guy says. Well, what I would advocate is that people come at it from whatever they're going to say, come at it from a perspective of opposing aggression, of supporting peace. Take it down to the root issue. The Constitution isn't what I support. I support peace. And uh, aggression. Yeah. And, so, and, you know, aggression is, is really, if you think about look at this Earth. Let's just say you were from another planet and you were hovering over the Earth. Mm-hmm. And you were watching, you were monitoring the, the TV transmissions and everything. You would very quickly determine that the pro- primary problem on Earth is aggression. Aggression I'd between so. human beings, aggression uh, by human beings towards their environment sometimes. But aggression is the, is the primary problem on Earth right now. And, and most of the aggression comes uh, from governments against people, although individuals can do it too. Sure. And the most damage comes from uh, when power is concentrated and, and the aggression that ensues from that. So we have to get away from that. And, and the idea is to not concentrate power so much, to bring power back decentralized so that you have less aggression. Right. It's it's an institutionalized aggression is what it is. And that's why governments in the 20th century alone were guilty of murdering millions upon millions over 150 million yeah, of uh, people. Well, uh, aggression is bad. And um, but government aggression is a different classification of it because it's you, you really can't do anything it's about the worldly level of aggression. Well, you what you can do in this case is go to those city council meetings and whenever you get a chance to if they have an open session or whatever so it depends it's different in every uh, political designation uh, like out in California for instance they give anybody that lines up 3 minutes to talk about whatever the hell they want to pretty much uh here in New Hampshire at least here in Keene uh there's very rarely an opportunity for the public to speak yeah they don't want the public they don't a, want to hear from the public at all at a city council mm-hmm. meeting but they have these things that they call committee meetings so what they do right. is they break out the city councilors where they, where they where you don't get to talk to all the uh, the the city council people at once, you could just get to talk to a few of them, and then they ignore you in individually. Right, well, so you well, have also to go to... The, then the entire uh, group doesn't hear what you have to say that way, too, when you're just talking in a small group with a few, a few people. It's true. Um, that, that is absolutely true. And the, the, the systems are going to be distributed differently in different areas. That's what I'm saying. But in general, I think the idea of going in there with a message of non-aggression and pointing out to them when they are, what they're doing, hey, what you're doing here, you're aggressing against people. This is hurting people. Pointing that out, I think, is valuable. It's happened a few few times here in Keene. It hasn't happened a whole lot, though. I don't know how often it's uh, it's going on across the rest of New Hampshire with the uh, the activists that are coming in here, but I imagine it's it's happening out there. And I think that it should I think it should happen more. But of course, asking people to go out and do that 
it takes time. Like you said, Mark, it's not just a half an hour. I don't know what the meetings are like in Ohio, where he comes from. But if you time it right, you can probably get in there for a half an hour. And I'm sure that since he sits through these two or three hour meetings and he would know the time slots and everything. But, uh, you know, my experience is whenever I go to deal with, I mean, I just went in for to, to take my tra- traffic ticket to uh, to trial. I sat in there for an hour just waiting for him to call me up and say, mm-hmm. so you want a trial? Yes. Oh, we'll see. We'll see you in April. Right. But, you know, my experience has been there's a lot of good people who work in these organizations, and they just don't know what they're doing because they've been indoctrinated for so long. They've gotten their job. You know, they do what they, they've told that they're supposed to do. Right. They're doing what they think is best. They do what they think is best. So by, by making them aware of, of the concept of aggression, uh, I think you can change a lot of minds just by, by uh, working with people and establishing relationships with people. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Let's go to Bodie in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Bodie, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, so I'm in driver's ed, as you may remember. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and um, uh, the last class was about alcohol, and it was very boring, as as usual. And uh, I asked him, he, he said that the teacher said that there is a piece of paper that you sign when you um, get your license that you agree to take the breathalyzer test if it's... If it's uh, Asked of you by an officer, and do, oh. do you know if that's true or not? I do not. I don't know. I think that in general, you know, I I do think that happened down in Florida. I think that essentially, it says. I don't know if, if there's you'll, a piece of paper. I think you'll but, lose your. You could lose your license. You'll you'll certainly face some kind of uh, problem from refusing a breathalyzer test. If I didn't, I don't have it with me. But the the license from Florida that I have says something to the effect on it that you know possession of this or having this license means that you consent to a breathalyzer. So it's likely that uh, what whatever it is that you're signing, they're basically saying. Uh, well, by signing this, you're agreeing to all of our motor vehicle statutes. That's basically what uh, what they're saying, which, of course, is impossible because you've not actually read those uh, motor vehicle statutes. But nonetheless, that's what they're they're going to claim. Did say that you would lose your license for 180 days. I think he said if you refuse a breathalyzer. Long darn time. But you don't have to. Uh... You don't have to admit to uh, how many drinks you've had or if you've had any drinks, right? Free. On Free Talk Live, we are not attorneys and cannot dispense yeah, legal advice. However, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but like, you know, your Fourth Amendment, you're not uh, supposed to... You don't have to tell them anything. Right? You don't have to take the breathalyzer test. You don't have to do anything, do no, you? In fact, you don't have to get out of the car. If you want to keep your license. Well, a, a number of police will recommend that uh, you you not take a breathalyzer, especially if you have been drinking, right, because you, the consequences long-term of yeah. getting caught for a DUI are much worse than whatever it is they're going to hit you with for not taking if, the breathalyzer. If you haven't right, been, he said he said you... Uh, uh, they'll take you to jail, in, uh, and if um, and you, you lose your license if you refuse a breathalyzer. But if you do get convicted, then you also get the jail time on top of that. Or, or they'll the take you to jail. Or... They might take you in and attempt to attempt to uh, continue to intimidate you into taking the breathalyzer. Uh, but it, it my, it's my understanding that in most places you still don't abs- you don't absolutely have to. Though they're changing that in some places where they'll be able to draw blood from you at some point. So. Uh, I don't think that's happening in New Hampshire yet, but uh, I know it's been proposed in other places around the country. So there's no there's no one size fits all answer to this. I thank you, Brody, for the, uh, the, not Brody, but uh, Bodie for the call. Uh, hour number three is coming up. You can bring up what you want. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> not long. 
After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for their sites. Ours is free at freetalklive.com. To the phones and the fun, it's Lombardi in Canada. Lombardi, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey. Hey, what's I on your mind? I had a question about property. Yes, sir. If my neighbor grows 50 pounds of potatoes and I ask him if I can trade some of my labor for it, is it mine if he gives it to me? Yes. I would think so. Did you have more? Okay, that was that. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know, last hour we talked about the idea of a jury duty. One of the callers had suggested that he believed he was being pursued by the sheriff's department because he had not shown up or called in or anything on a jury summons that, that he had received and they take that jury duty stuff pretty seriously. In fact, here's a story to to back up my claim. MercedSunStar.com reporting on it's happened again. Now, this is, I believe, a different location and story from what we've told you in the past. I don't remember how long ago it was, but we did a story that was kind of similar to this one. Just figured I'd bring it up again because they could snatch you off the streets and put you in a jury. Did you know that? <laughs> Well, the story again, uh, Merced Sun star Laura Skelton thought she was going to the post office to pick up her mail, but instead found herself at Mariposa County Superior Court. She was in good company. Forty-nine other Mariposians also made the mistake of checking their mail that Wednesday afternoon. Well, you know what? You could stop that in, their, in, in its tracks pretty quickly by telling them that you believe in a fully informed jury. You could do that, but then again, uh, people that believe in fully informed juries actually want to be on jurors or ju- jury duty. They want to uh, to get on a jury so they have the opportunity to use jury nullification should it be appropriate in that particular case. Tell them you have to go feed the meter. I yeah, I don't know if they're going to care about that. These are, sure they are. cops. They I got to go feed not, the meter. They're going to get a ticket. They don't care. They want you to get the ticket. <laughs> uh, so. And, and by the way, jury nullification, uh, FIJA.org, you can learn more about it. It'll, it is essentially the hidden secret of jury duty or uh, being on a jury, and that is that you can vote to your conscience. You can vote how you feel about the law. You can vote not guilty 
based on your feelings about the law, not about the facts in the case. So if you're facing a case where the facts make it pretty clear that so-and-so had you know, 20 pounds of coke uh, on them in their car, if you don't believe the drug war is valid and you think the drug laws are bad, then you could just say not guilty and it, you could base it on your feelings and your thoughts about the law itself. So anyway, uh, continue the story here. 49 other Mariposians also made that same mistake. Now they're candidates to decide the fate of a man charged with killing a 60-year-old man in a nearby uh, area uh, back in 2008. Presiding Judge Dana Walton said that hundreds of jury summons were mailed out, but when only one-third of the people failed to show up, he had to call in reinforcements. So one-third failed or one-third showed up? Correct. One-third failed to show up. Calling on a seldom-used civil code procedure... Walton sent court bailiffs out to the busiest part of town, the Mariposa Post Office, to gather up new blood for the jury pool. We certainly didn't want to do this, but defendants have the right to have a trial before a jury of their peers, said Walton. It's unfortunate for those who got caught up in it, but I'm sorry, it is a duty. What is a duty? What's the definition of a duty? I can't say on the air. Something you got to (laughs) do. Yeah, it's something you have an obligation uh, to do, right? Something right. that presumably you have signed on board to uh, to get on board with and, and uh, take that responsibility of performing that particular task. And there are people who want to do it. But there what are, about those true. who don't? Well, exactly. It's a duty for everyone, Wayne. Everyone uh, who's in the society apparently has a duty to serve on a jury. Right. Some people decided it was a good idea that we do the judicial system in this manner, and some people decided that it was a good idea that everybody participate, and those people obligated the people that uh, didn't decide that, who may not want to uh, participate in a jury. And I can tell you that in the past, I've decided I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I was the sole breadwinner in my uh, household, which mm-hmm. means that I was a single guy <laughs> and I made money because I went to work. Right. This is true for this. This was true for radio sales. Uh, this is true for many uh, careers. You don't the, make squat servers, jury duty, all that's kinds for of stuff. Sure. Right. right. So you, uh, you know, going was a hardship for me. Now I didn't realize that you could probably I could probably call up and get out by saying, "Look, it's a hardship for me." I just ducked the jury. Mm-hmm. In this case, bailiffs were sent to a nearby street, the home of the post office and Pioneer Market, when Walton or where Walton thought they'd be sure to get a true random sample of the community. Post office employees said that bailiffs. I'm glad I have a UPS store mailbox. Post office employees said that the bailiffs waited in the parking lot and told customers to report to jury duty immediately or go to jail. And that didn't sit well with Skelton, nor did it please her bosses at the small manufacturing company just outside of town. See, your things that are important in your life don't matter. No English. When the, when the government needs needs your labor, they'll just take it whenever they want it. It doesn't matter if you had an important business appointment to get to. It doesn't matter if you've got kids at home to uh, to feed. It doesn't matter. No, no, you need to show up here or you're going to jail. The rest also didn't, uh, or that didn't rest well with her, excuse me, that we have things to do every day and she's the only person who can do it, said the company's owner, who asked not to be identified. Other potential jurors had children in school and didn't have time to make arrangements, said Skelton. She went to the post office at 1230, was cornered by the bailiffs, who told her to report to the courthouse by 1 p.m. She said she understood the need to locate additional jurors, but was irritated at the process. She said other potential jurors included a man with a baby and an elderly woman who had trouble hearing. They didn't use discretion. Where? Who? Hey, 
what? <laughs> <laughs> There's, that's how you get out of it. You just keep on, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? <didn't, laughs> they didn't use discretion on the people they summoned, and they should have, she said. Finding a jury pool up here isn't easy because everybody knows everybody, but to take people off the street is kind of ridiculous. And, of course, I completely agree. The court case, which Walton said could last between two and three weeks, is the trial of a man who's accused of killing a 60-year-old. Walton says he's never had to resort to drafting jurors off the street in the nine years he's been at the Mariposa courthouse. He said it's an aberration. District attorney said he hasn't heard of Civil Code 211 being used in the 17 years that he's worked in the Merced courts. Not since the Old West, he said. I think there are legendary stories about how the Merced courts worked decades ago, but I haven't heard anything like that happening here. Population of uh, Mariposa County is under 20,000 residents, and it's an even smaller jury pool. Long trials like McCurdy's usually mean a large number of potential jurors are unable to serve due to hardships. So there you have it again. Uh, by the way, people who fail up for sh- uh, fail to show up for jury duty p- face potential fines of $250 for their first offense, $750 for the second absence, and $1,500 for a third strike. They can also be sent to county jail for up to five days. So just kind of a uh, you know just a little heads up as to how seriously they take this whole jury duty thing that they're willing to literally go out and kidnap people. I mean almost. Almost. They didn't actually throw them into the backs of the sheriff's squad cars or anything like that, but they did say, you'll be at this location in 30 minutes or we're going to put you in jail. I mean, that's intimidation. It's, mm-hmm. it's not quite kidnapping, but it's close. Pretty close, yeah. Indentured servitude. 1-800-259-9231. Oh, I'm sorry, you had plans today? Well... You've got 30 minutes to cancel them. Right. Uh, you know, where where do these uh, where do the bureaucrats get this power over people? And you can only assume. Guns. Well, <laughs> they 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 uh, the people they don't even get it from guns in that the, it's the compliance of people sure. on a regular um, on, on a large scale. It's the obedience. Yeah. Right. It, it, you know, guns guns certainly play a, a role, but they get this from. In the past, when we had lords and vassals and serfs were owned and they were bound to the land and all that stuff, of course, when the knight rode out and said, you know, hear ye, you will do what the Lord says. Well, yeah, you did it because you know that they were going to kill you. Right. And this is this is how they, they were descended from God and whatever. And this is how we still view it. It's it's now the, the Lord is just the collective. It's, it's al- the government. It's also more difficult to make a living nowadays. They'd probably have all the jurists they needed if they weren't debasing the currency over many decades and putting people on a hamster wheel. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything and take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where we give you all the features free. So enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including our Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan for free, of course, at facebook.freetalklive.com. Facebook.freetalklive.com. You hate to make extra trips to carry in the grocery bags? For the last few months at my house, we've been using the Totasac. They're a handle made of 100% recycled materials right here in the U.S. It's designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. Go to Totasac.com. That's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. And get a family pack today. It's Totasac. They carry more than you can. A lot more. Totasac.com. All right. So we're going to change gears back to something that came up earlier on the program tonight. Somebody called in with the pro-vaccination perspective, uh, again, attempting to push the idea of people going out and getting themselves injected with who knows what. Uh, Wayne, you wanted to uh, take this in a different direction. What, What do you have for us? Well, there was an article a few weeks ago called The Ten Questions About Flu Vaccines That Doctors and Health Authorities Refuse to Answer. And I, I feel Where's it that from? It's from Mike Adams, a health ranger on naturalnews.com. Okay. And basically, you know, we've had a lot of calls about this, and there's a lot of controversy over it, so I thought it was a fitting time to read it. Very good. Vaccine mythology remains rampant in both Western medicine and in the mainstream media. To hear the, va- hear the vaccination zealots say uh, vaccinations are backed by so-called good science, they've been proven effective, and they're pr- perfectly safe. Oh, really? Where's all that good science? As it turns out, there isn't any. Flu Mm. vaccines, including swine flu vaccines, are based entirely on vaccine mythology, which assumes all vaccine work and uh, and no vaccines can be scientifically questioned. Well, another thing is that they don't use control groups of people that are unvaccinated when they're doing this vaccine science of theirs. Why? Because it would be immoral to not vaccinate a child. Do you understand? Oh, so wow. that is that they, so they that's don't right there. It's not even scientific at all. You have to have I, a control group, don't you? Exactly. And, and one then has to ask, uh, you know, other additional questions is why is it that, uh, you know, vaccine com- companies are exempt from lawsuits? I mean, does that does that incentivize a company to, to be careful? <laughs> right. right. Doesn't seem like it does to not contaminate batches. Well, so, that's that's something I, I maybe I never heard you say it before. Maybe you've said it before, but that's pretty shocking my, to me. My wife pours through this stuff. Um, it's a big deal to her, and, and it I, should be. She's yeah, a mother. She's protective of her child. You know, I I got vaccines. I, I I seem to be turned out relatively okay. I mean, I, maybe I could blame my stunning good looks on vaccines. Maybe I could blame <laughs> blame my man, anger management problem mm-hmm. on vaccines. I think that uh, you know one needs to do one's research, and whatever your research draws you to, that's. That's fine, but uh, you know, I I think that, you know, I I don't know. I mean, if if you want a vaccine, go get a vaccine. If I don't want a vaccine, why are you coming after me on it? Right. Yeah. No one's saying we should outlaw them. We're just saying that they should be proven scientifically. If if everyone's expected to take them, and all this peer pressure is being applied to there people, there is who a don't lot of that. There is a lot of pressure. Oh yeah, there is. Well, that's because um, to make a vaccine, you see, you think that vaccines mean that you get this shot, you don't get that disease, right? That's what it, it sounds seems like to me. It doesn't mean that. Right. It means you take this shot. Supposedly, you are now more uh, less likely to get that disease. So if more people really? take the shot, then you're much then you know, people are much less likely to get it. Ah. So that's I what this that... herd immunity thing is. So, wait, but isn't it the case that the vaccines carry a little bit of the uh, some vaccines they carry? Call it, yeah, they call an attenuated virus, which means it's it's sort of a mute, um, a uh, um, 
muted or uh, a lesser version. A lesser version of it, yeah. But in but some it cases, you... it's a dead, a dead version of the virus. But I don't understand that either because a virus isn't alive, um, and a virus is just a portion of a DNA strain. Now, we're definitely – I'm wading in a lot deeper than I should go on science here, and I know that – you know, I get scalded every time I, I talk about this stuff, but right. but I don't feel as though the issues that I have for vaccines get addressed. Well, let's, let's get I just to... get told it's okay. Shut up. Quit asking at questions. Yeah. Vaccines are okay. It's proven, Mark. It's proven. Right. right. But, but getting back to the intro to these yeah. ten questions, he, uh, it, it, he says the same thing in this article. He says anyone who dares question the safety or effectiveness of vaccines is immediately branded a danger to public health and marginalized mm. in the scientific community. Here are 10 questions vaccine-pushing doctors and health authorities absolutely refuse to answer. One, where are the randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled studies proving flu vaccines are both safe and effective? Answer, there aren't any. Nope. Number two. That's the point I was making. Right. Where, then, is the so-called science backing the idea that flu vaccines work at all? Answer. There is none. Other than cohort studies, there isn't any. Right, the, just because a doctor says he believes vaccines work isn't science. Right. <laughs> you have to have these double-blind studies. You have to have the control groups. You have to have the placebo. And, and even with, with prescription drugs, doctors go to all these years of medical school, and then they end up taking the word of a drug rep. Some of the drug reps went to business school, and they show mm-hmm. a little cleavage and give some free samples. Absolutely. Maybe a golf club, and they start prescribing this drug. So it's a same, similar thing with, with vaccines. So other than Hey, co- I've got a white lab coat. I must be an authority. Well, you know, doctor, a lot of doctors go in for the right reasons, but anyway, I'll get sure. on with this. True. Uh, other than cohort studies, there isn't any, and cohort studies have been thoroughly debunked. Scientifically speaking, there isn't a scrap of honest evidence showing flu vaccines work at all. Number three, hmm. how can methylmercury thimerosal, a preservative used in flu vaccines, be safe for injecting into the human body when mercury is an extremely toxic heavy metal? Answer, it isn't safe at all. Methylmercury is a poison. Along with vaccine adjuvants, it explains why so many people suffer autism and other debilitating neurological side effects after being vaccinated. Number four, why do reports... Not to say you won't live through taking poison. Uh, Some people are better equipped to withstand the poison than others, but it doesn't mean that maybe your IQ might not be as high when you grow up because you have all uh, these heavy metals in your brain, too. Mm -hmm. You may uh, not have any extreme symptoms, but... Uh, it's 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 shown when people have a repeated. Um, remember the old expression "Mad Hatters." Sure. Yeah. You know why they call them that? Because Drank the people. No, the people. Well, the people who worked in, in in hat factories, the guys who worked in hat, uh, hat factories, were exposed to a lot of mercury. They used to use mercury to stiffen up the brims of the hats, oh. and mm. and they became insane after <laughs> a, a certain amount of exposure to mercury. Wow. Well, um, I, you know, I the one of the things that I, I hear when my wife plays these, you know, these these anti-vaccination indoctrination things that she listens to, which <laughs> I understand that, you know, I, I don't believe everything I hear on that side either. Right. When you know, when, when when those people call in, I, I I tend to cringe too. I'm just of the opinion that I don't have enough information to make an educated, uh, you know. Decision here. I see dangers on both sides, and I, as you know, as a doctor, swears to do in the Hippocratic Oath. It's my job to do no harm. So to your son, to my son, yeah, and right. so that's what I do. I didn't uh, circumcise him for that reason. Mm. He's going to listen to this when he's like 16 years old. And be so embarrassed. <laughs> but I, you know, I decided that I'm not going to do any harm to him. So I do my best to do that. And and you're right to do so to, to be protective. 
Number four, why do uh, reports keep surfacing of children and teens suffering debilitating neurological disorders, brain swelling, seizures, and even death following flu vaccines or HPV vaccines? Answer, because vaccines are dangerous. The vaccine industry routinely dismisses all such accounts, no matter how how many are reported, as coincidence. Hmm. Number five, why don't doctors recommend vitamin D for flu protection, especially when vitamin D uh, activates the immune system response far better than a vaccine? Because vitamin D3 is difficult, difficult to assimilate through a supplement, and therefore you have to get it in your diet. Uh, you should get it in your diet, and it's difficult to get D3 in your diet, especially if you're one of these natural, natural people and you don't get uh, milk that isn't uh, ultra-pasteurized, ultra-homogenized. Uh, it can't be patented There's either. There's five more coming up in moments here. 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry uttered those words in 1775. He died just 24 years later. You can avoid his fate by subscribing to Liberty, the National Journal of Libertarian Opinion, News, Investigation, and Intellectual Exploration. Liberty isn't just current events. In every issue, you can expect to see reflections, reviews, and reporting that challenge the individual mind. Get Liberty now with a free trial issue at libertyunbound.com and avoid an untimely meeting with the Grim Reaper. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. If you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including the bulletin board system. Over 500,000 posts, a lot to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com, bbs.freetalklive.com. Dot com. Are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Yes. Are you tired <laughs> of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? I am. If you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? Will they, will they collect in town square, smoke pot and clown suits and do backflips for, for liberty? You can I'm there. join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. We're going like to have to add the clown out. suits next year. I, they do have, when they do the V outfits, I mean, what do you think V is? V's a clown. V is a clown. I don't know if V is a clown. He's pretty darn close to us. He's in a clown family anyway. He's a cousin or something. Yeah. V from V for Vendetta is yes. who you're referring to? Hmm. That's what I'm referring to when I say the clowns. V is an idea, not a man. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. I'd also like to point out that uh, the Free State Project, and I, and I know that we do this often, but the Free State Project is very successful in the political um, activism. It's not just uh, you know this outside-the-system activism that seems so popular here, lo- close to us. All right. So, Wayne, you're sharing with us the ten questions that the vaccine advocates don't want to answer. That's right? right. And we're up to number five. And the answer to number five was regarding vitamin D was that vitamin D can't be patented and sold as medicine. You can make it yourself. If you want more vitamin D, you don't even need to go to a doctor. And, and without a patent, then they can't cash in big time off of the sales. That's right. Because anybody can jump in and compete. And doctors tend not to recommend things that put them out of business either. And you can make vitamin D just by going in the sun in, in, the, in the warmer weather, but you can take vitamin D supplements. You can, you can eat foods that are high in vitamin D, for example. And vitamin D does help. Uh, it seems to, the doctors I've talked to and read, 
uh, are, are increasingly recommending vitamin D to in, increase immune response to a variety st- of things. They've done study after study showing that, uh, you know, that they, and, and I can't remember, think of them off the top of my head, but they're out there, that in fact uh, doctors do prescribe procedures and things that benefit them financially. They may not believe that they're doing it for that reason, and they likely don't. And I absolutely believe that most of these guys got into their businesses because they want to help people. Mm -hmm. However, they are human, and humans often operate based on incentives. And if they're incentivized to prescribe people, uh, you know, some kind of procedure or some kind of medication that they'll make a good amount of money off of, that's, it tends to be what they'll do. And nobody's saying that making a profit is wrong. No. The, the problem is when profit's being made um, because information's being withheld or, or misinformation is being uh, dished out, then that's a problem. Absolutely. Number four? Uh, number six. six. If human beings need flu vaccines to survive, then how did humans survive through all of Earth's history? Answer. Human genetic code is already wired to automatically defend you against invading microorganisms as long as you have vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And people have had vitamin D for many, many thousands of years through the sun. Number seven. If the flu vaccine offers protection against the flu, then why are the people who often catch the flu the very same people who were vaccinated against it? Answer, because those most vulnerable to influenza infections are the very same people who have a poor adaptive response to the vaccines and don't build antibodies. In other words, flu vaccines only work on people who don't need them. And even if building antibodies doesn't equate to real-world protection from the flu, by the way. Number eight, if the flu vaccine really works, then why was there no huge increase in flu death rates in 2004, the year when flu vaccines were in short supply and the vaccination rates dropped by 40%? Answer, there was no change in the death rate. You could drop vaccination rates to 0% and you'd still see no change in the number of people dying from the flu. Well, couldn't they say that because people were vaccinated the year before that they were still protected or these things are only intended to be a short-term solution? Well, what happens is a lot of times, from what I've read, the uh, strain of the of the flu that you're being vaccinated against this year was from Changes. last from last year's uh, flu that was out. So, uh, by the time the flu comes around this year, it's mutated. It's or mutated. Like it's a different strain, so it doesn't offer any protection. Really, allegedly, if allegedly, it ever did offer it, a protection, if, if it ever did, right. you know, I'm kind of curious when you're talking about that flu vaccine in 2004 didn't get delivered or whatever it was. I mean, it would seem like even the placebo effect would cause uh, flu deaths to to increase. I mean, placebos are are, are a f- relatively effective. Um, you know, they, they they work for a certain percentage of the population. It's usually not a tremendous percentage, but you, you would have think that wait. that would have been effective. Well, the wait, mind's why a the very placebo? powerful thing. You know, if if I but I could do the same thing without getting a vaccine. I could just say. I'm not getting sick this year. Or if I, I can feel sometimes, have you ever felt you starting to come down with something and you think, oh, geez, I'm, I'm fighting something. I might be getting sick. No way. I'm not getting sick right now. I can't get sick right now. And, and you don't. Well, I usually uh, take, I, I, I'm, you know, one of these, I, I've always believed in echinacea. Mm-hmm. I have, I've believed in echinacea for 10 years or something like that. So if I get uh, some kind of uh, illness, then, you know, I, I run out and I get this, this blend of, you know, echinacea, elderberries and all this other stuff that I, it's, <laughs> it's by Buried Treasure, which I find somewhat prurient, just the name. But um, this, I, this, this, this mix thing that I, I really like, it's, you know, for colds and flus. Mm-hmm. And you believe that it works for you? Yes. Okay. Oh, I've got things that I I take with me when I travel because I can't afford to 
get sick if I'm traveling on business. But, Mark, I, I'm, I'm a little confused about what you were saying about the placebo effect. The statement was that the flu vaccine didn't really hit the market effectively in 2004, right. that there was no uh, concomitant uh, increase in, in deaths. What was the point you were making about the, well, the placebo effect? If, because people weren't being given placebos. Well, they, no, they were be given, be, being given a, a vaccine shot. And if, let's say, the vaccine is ineffective, which is what those uh, what that claim is there, mm-hmm. if it's ineffective, then it's a, a, basically a placebo. So ah. there should be some effect on the numbers one way or the other just by the fact that more people get the shot than fewer. And so I just don't understand. I mean, mm-hmm. I can tell you that I am very, very clear that uh you know i i believe very strongly if i went and got a flu vaccine and by the way they were trying to get me to take that in h1n1 at the fire department they're like it's free you got nothing to worry about <laughs> I, I got you it's free thank you very much i'm not going to get it but you you could get the h1n1 like, that's okay i'm not going to take it i'm you know and i didn't want to get into this yeah. this conversation with these guys where they're like you know they they i'm telling so them i don't the, believe in them are you the only fireman uh who has not taken it it looks that way oh wow mm-hmm. so um Either way, uh, you know, they, they, I'm of the opinion that if I got that shot, that I would get ill. You have evidence for that. Anecdotal, yes. My right. own empirical data. But, but number eight basically is saying that in 2004, when there was a huge shortage of, of flu shots to be given, that the, there was no difference in, in the fatality rate. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Mm. Number nine, how can flu vaccines reduce mortality by 50% as is claimed? when only about 10% of the winter deaths are related to the flu in the first place? Answer, they can't. The 50% statistic is an example of quack medical marketing. If I have a room full of 100 people, then I take the 50 healthiest people and hand them a candy bar, I can't then scientifically claim that the candy bars make people healthy. That's essentially the same logic behind the 50% reduction in mortality claims of flu vaccines. Sounds like somebody's done more research than me. I, I, can't, mm. I, I can't make any statement to that. Number 10, <laughs> if flu vaccines work so well, then why are drug makers and, and health authorities so reluctant to subject them to scientific scrutiny with randomized placebo-controlled studies? Answer, although they claim such studies would be unethical, uh, what's I'd far be more... happy to be in their control group. <laughs> yes, exactly. What's far more unethical is to keep injecting hundreds of millions of people every year with useless, harmful vaccines that aren't based uh, with a shred of ov- uh, honest evidence. Wow. Yeah, I, I that, think that's the most powerful one right there. That one, it's kind of a restatement of the first one, actually, it seems. Yeah, somewhat, right. The, you know, the idea and, that... And I have another question. Why is it if these things are so great that you can't sue the vaccine manufacturer yeah, if you're injured? One. Because, no, it was just a coincidence. You weren't injured. Well, I, I you know, I... I Right, how I, you I, prove I, it was I, the vaccine. I find it disturbing. I also would uh, be very disturbed if I was the vaccine manufacturer and I'm sitting up there in front of a jury of my peers deciding on, you know, what the scientific evidence is. I, I, th- I think that we have a, a flawed system for, for solving these problems, too. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's messed up all around. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. Enough time for you to take control of the airwaves, even in the remaining moments. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 
Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time, though, for your call if you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live... Uh, you can shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we go to Derek in Oklahoma, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Derek. Hey, yeah, you guys were just talking about the uh, the vaccines and how they don't tell you that you know they're bad for you or whatever. Well, they may they may be bad for uh, for some people. It's, mm-hmm. They don't seem like the safest thing to me, and it's certainly questionable as to why they they don't do real scientific studies on them and why the manufacturers have no liability. Yeah, and then and then you said something about uh, how vitamin D can act, actually helps your body fight off what these vaccines are supposed to fight off or whatever. It's very effective. Very and vitamin yeah, and, vitamin C doesn't hurt either, from what I've been told. Yeah, and I was I actually I just saw. Uh, I just saw something that you can actually get vitamin D from just going outside in the sun. That's right. It's free. It's a good <laughs> idea. It's a good idea to go outside and get some, uh, you know, fresh sunshine when it comes out. Here in New Hampshire, it can be a little, little less often than it was in Florida, but it's a good idea to get out there and get it. Uh, yeah, that's all I want to throw, really. Uh, but the people are, are still living in Alaska too. I mean, they don't really get. They get even less sun, sunshine uh, there than you can uh, get it through food here. too. Right, food. There you go. So, did you have anything uh, else to share? Derek? No, that's pretty much it. All right. Thank you, Sunlight. Good. Appreciate that. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Of course, too much sunlight, bad. Uh, you know, so they say. Although I think that's been overplayed by the sunscreen industry because... Uh, True, but you really do get baked if you stand out in it too long. Sure, absolutely, especially if you're not used to it. Because I remember I, when we first moved to Hawaii, a few of my friends that had lighter skin got pretty baked in the beginning, but if if you get your sun gradually in a hotter climate or when the summer comes mm-hmm. and you don't do it all in one day... You can acclimate. You, you can acclimate to it. Even a fair-skinned person can get pretty tanned and, and uh, be able to withstand quite a bit of sun. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I have noticed the acclimation. I mean, having moved from Florida to New Hampshire, I did try to uh, to go to the wall and it was a stupid uh, choice on my part i was living in a house that was like 56 degrees and i ended up getting frost nip or something like that <laughs> from doing it but over time now uh that you know i've been a little bit more reasonable with my exposure i was noticing the other night i was out for uh, for a bike ride and i just had a shirt uh pair of jeans and just a regular pair of shoes and cotton socks on uh, I over my shirt I had the just a like a leather jacket that I'd bought at a store down in Florida, and then on top of that I had just a little uh, knit cap on my head and some gloves on. I was fine. It it was 35 degrees out, and I was amazed at how comfortable I was in that uh, that temperature. You get used to it, and it's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, 35 degrees. I would have been in hibernating in Florida if the weather was uh, was I'd, like that. I'd like to point out that there are still people out there that, that that find the cold more uh, difficult to deal with than others too so. my hands still get cold i mean there's there's no doubt about it um it's it's not i don't like having cold hands but it's it's something i'm willing to have in order to be up here and around all these wonderful activists and liberty-minded uh, minded people it's, it's well worth it yeah i i like the fact that you know, you don't have to ask permission to do every little thing up here like you do in some other states, even the surrounding states. It's true. There are some little things that immediately will be more free for you. Yeah, most uh, people will get uh, will get a pay raise and uh, be more free by moving to New Hampshire. That's true. 
And buying things like a car, for example, you're not paying sales tax when you buy a car, which is a big one. Is that true? Yeah. You, you, you know, I, th- I thought there was a certain car, a special car tax. I think there's here. a. I think they think there's an additional tax on cars. It's not a sales but, tax. But I've not never, a sales tax. I've never true. bought a new car though. Right. I mean, in my life. So that's well, you, know, you buy used. I mean. I from bought a dealer. them from dealers, right. yeah. So I I don't know. I didn't notice it on the the used car that I bought from a dealer, but I I couldn't tell you for sure. Quick email here from Donovan, uh, one of our board operators at uh, the Genesis Communications Network. Guys, a recent experience I had gives us all more evidence of judicial favoritism since we've been on the court topic tonight. The judges in the courtrooms of the United States are no longer impartial arbiters of the law. Certainly, they are not on the side of the people. The other day, I found myself in a local courtroom. You were actually in court this week, Mark. You haven't really told us much about it. Not uh, much to say. With traffic citations, dealing with traffic citations and other misdemeanors. Now, why I was there isn't really important, except that I was probably guilty, and there were certainly uh, they, they were certainly prepared to enforce their diktats at gunpoint if I didn't cooperate. So I cooperated because I wasn't prepared to go to jail that day and just wanted to go on with my life as quickly as possible. And that is why most people go along uh, to get along. I don't blame them. I've done it a number of times myself. We the slaves, he said, had to show up at the courthouse to check in at 8.30 in the morning so the courtroom could start taking our money promptly at 9, as they so, so efficiently do. Uh, I wonder sometimes why there isn't a giant machine that grabs people by the ankles, turns them upside down, and shakes the money out of them. You know, I was seeing this. Um, it, it was I find found it so interesting. You know, they they um you know they they do their little. They'd ask, "Have you paid your fine yet? Have you been attempted to pay anything?" That this was I was just watching this was process. This the the going judge on. or prior to the judge coming in? This was with the judge, okay. and it was just you know berating these people and not paying their fines and not doing their community service or whatever, and actually just throwing them in jail. Um, mm. I I, I thought the really? one that was uh, most telling on this was, you know, and, and admittedly, these people, you know, these are the poor. They're 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 the not they're the they're the low on the, the the economic scale, they're the low on the brain scale as far as I'm concerned. But there's a pregnant lady standing in front of them that hadn't paid her fine and hadn't done her uh, community service, and he tossed her in jail. Gosh. Not immediately. I mean, I guess he threatened her with it, and then I, yeah. I, I think he came back a little later, and then maybe gave her another deal with, and you know, like just scared, scared her. Though. But the yeah. rest of them, it was happening. Yeah. Mm. I didn't get much of a chance to sit for the judge, says Donovan, as I was in the SRO section in the back, and so already standing. The judge swept in and proceeded to give us all a little speech regarding what was supposed to be happening that day. Interesting snippets were the judge's exchange with the bailiff regarding the fact that there would be no court-appointed public defender present that day due to budgetary reasons. The judge also noted that while he was prepared to answer procedural questions, he wouldn't answer other questions that defendants had as he couldn't offer legal advice. Meanwhile, despite we, the defendants, enforced punctuality, the prosecuting attorney didn't bother to show up until 9.30, half an hour late. Up until this point, the judge had been throwing matters that required the involvement of the prosecutor into a pile. Matters being what they were, a substantial pile had built up by the time the prosecutor deigned to grace us. When the prosecution did arrive, the judge stopped the proceedings. There's quite a pile here. Why don't we split them up and you can work on half while I work on half, the judge decided. He then began to act as a second prosecuting attorney in the courtroom, making <laughs> making deals and deciding who to prosecute and for what. So much for unbiased arbitration of cases, I guess. Very clearly, the judge in a courtroom is not there to act as a neutral party. Modern judges are blatantly and unashamedly on the side of the prosecution. That's or, where they get their paycheck from, is from the, the same place the prosecution does. And, by the way, in a lot of cases, the defense attorney, too. Or that's what I saw that day anyway from Donovan. 
as he pointed out, that day there wasn't a defense attorney uh, around present. So, hey, if you've got any questions, uh, well, I'm the judge. I can't answer those for you. Our defense attorney... Right. I don't give legal tr- advice unless it's to the prosecution. Right, right, right. Uh, so I, I can't help you with your questions. Uh, the prosecutor, he's not really not going to be able to help you. And the defense attorney, sorry, he's not here. We've got budgetary issues. So you guys are going it alone today. You do have rights. This is America, though. And you have the right to an attorney and to be defended and a fair trial. Right now, so, would you like to waive those rights so we don't have to go to trial? Right. That's so what they ask you to I'm going to I'm going to assure you that this is in fact a fair trial, and you can then proceed. I've seen that judge, the judge uh, that you're talking about here in in Keene, New Hampshire, have people waive their rights. Uh, you know, for whatever the perceived benefit is. I mean, there's usually some sort of carrot that they're hanging out to get people to just basically not go along with uh, the, you know, what they could possibly have. They could have a trial. They could have uh, some level of uh, procedure and rights and, and all of that, but eh, they want it to go away, so they'll just take the plea deal, most of them. I mean, when you sit there in the courtroom, if you've never done this before, you really should. You really should go into an arraignment on a Monday or Tuesday morning or whenever it is that they hold them in your town and arrive nice and early, um, that way you can get a seat, because sometimes it's standing room only. Not to say the seats are really worth getting. Uh, they're never comfortable. So maybe it's not that great to get a seat. But anyway, arrive early so you can see what they do before the judge comes in. Of course, the judge is normally late, so make sure you block off the entire morning for this activity. Uh, but go in and watch what happens as these people are literally just robbed. They are just they just have their money extracted from them over what is mostly completely nonviolent peaceful so-called offenses. It's very rare, sure, occasionally there's going to be somebody comes in for domestic violence or something like that. Or but stalking. a lot of times that domestic violence is a mess, too, because um, in many places they have a law that the police officer, if called for a domestic violence case, has to take somebody to jail. That's true. And usually that person has a Y chromosome. So it's it's interesting to watch it because if you've never been there, you don't really realize the significant percentage of people that are just being shaken down. That's really all it is. Unfortunately. All right, it's been Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. We will return tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. The Edgington Post Interview Series continues, and today I'm with uh, Greg Lukyanov from The Fire uh, Greg, rather than me trying to explain what uh, fire is, why don't you explain what fire is? Because I could give it a shot, but I probably won't do as good a job as you. <laughs> well, I, I hope not. I've been doing this for years. Um, fire is the foundation for individual rights in education, and we were founded actually 10 years ago. We're celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year. And we were founded by a liberal-leaning libertarian and a conservative-leaning libertarian to fight um, uh, repressive and uh, political correctness and impositions against freedom of speech on college campuses. Um, as some listeners may know and some may not, um, there's an awful lot of work in that field, and sadly it seems to be a growth field. Yeah. Um, it seems and, like they're, uh, so they're, they're, they're really making a space for you to, uh, to, to get to work there. I mean, you know, there's, it, it seems like there's more problems with liberty, not fewer, on college campuses. 
it, it's it's amazing, and because we are also fully aware that as we've grown, we've gotten better at uncovering these things. So definitely, you know, we're lifting up more and more rocks, and more and more people know that we exist. So maybe it was just this bad, you know, since like the mid '80s or something like that, and just nobody knew. But uh, you know, there are days where it, you have to have a sense of humor, or else you'll go crazy dealing with this kind of stuff. Um, when you see the impositions that that uh, a lot of times uh, campus administrators, bureaucrats place on students, of the things that people get, can get in trouble for, ideological requirements actually being um, uh, proposed at, at, at the School of Education out in Minnesota. I mean, it, it What kind really of ideological requirements? Stuff. What kind of ideological requirements are we talking about there? Well, well, this is a big debate at the University of Minnesota going on right now. What They asked for um, recommendations on how to reform the entire teacher education program, and teachers came back with a... <laughs> A proposal that I can't even detail all of it, but for example, you, you know, some of the beliefs that you're supposed to have is reject the myth of meritocracy in the U.S. and literally reject the the myth of the quote unquote, and they have in quotes American dream, um, and that basically the ideas of all, anybody who will be a good teacher have to fit this this narrow point of view. Now, if someone was actually just saying that. Um, interestingly enough, if, I, if that was someone's opinion, Fire would be defending the right to have that opinion. But the, the amazing thing that I see over and over again is that uh, is that this line between telling people what they um, can't say and telling people what they must say is being com- is completely falling apart. The teachers at schools of education, um, for example, um, at, at, at Teachers College at Columbia, we've been fighting them for years because they have these very explicit sort of ideological. Um, uh, um, they, they, they evaluate you on your on your commitment to quote unquote social justice, and this mm. is part of the required. Uh, that, and I, we have to write them and explain how exactly do you define social justice in a way that doesn't mean you're going to you're going to fail or pass people based on their politics or their moral philosophy. Um, and and that's one of the things that is so terrifying is watching think watching these things change from being about you know how good of a teacher you are to what specifically you believe. You know, and and people call this show. Um, we this show, uh, Free Talk Live, is a show that that tends to aim, at least on the internet. Uh, maybe it's because the internet aims towards uh, a younger male audience, and yeah. so we get a lot of people that ca- are calling in and asking, you know, what should I do with my life? And uh, you know, so many of the careers that were open to me, um, you know, just because I didn't really think of things in the same way that I do now, are are closed. Um, we we there's no way we're going to recommend people go into you know being a teacher or a lawyer or a cop or a, a military guy you know any of these things so mm-hmm. it, it's it, it makes it very difficult what's a good libertarian yep. to get into greg it's it, it really is and I, I wish i had a better answer um the um uh, and, and i mean and this is just, these are the ideological components that, that we see just flat out violations of freedom of speech yeah um speech codes have been overturned consistently for 20 years in courts. As, basically, as soon as the first speech code came into existence at the University of Michigan, it was overturned by a court in Dovey, Michigan in 1989. It, it, it's never even been a close call. Meanwhile, though, when, um, when we actually we have a constitutional lawyer who her full-time job is, is to evaluate codes, I think at, at our next report that's coming out, um, I think we evaluate around 370 schools. We evaluated 71% of them as having red light. In other words, laughably unconstitutional codes. Jeez. Um, that's, uh, and believe it or not, that's an improvement from when we started doing this um, a couple of years ago when it was 79%. <laughs> yeah. um, it, 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 
so the people and, and laughably unconstitutional. So the people that claim um, that the socialists have taken over our higher learning institutions are absolutely right. <laughs> I have no idea what, the, what what to call them. It's one of those things where I try to avoid terms that mean different things to different people. Uh-huh. Um, so w- w- we we do know they're bureaucrats, yes. and we do know that they're bullies. Um, okay, and that's and that's surely bad enough. <laughs> yeah. Bad enough, that's for sure. So, but just to give you some some examples, Mark, like the, the um, and I, and I mean it, it, and and it drives me nuts. I actually am coming out with an article in Reason Magazine, um, in a, in a couple weeks, where I'm talking about, and I make this comparison. I talk about the the water buffalo incident back in 1993 at the University of Pennsylvania. You're gonna have to tell me about this it. This was a, it, this is an incident where a uh, a black sorority um, was doing a quote-unquote serenade, which is you know a sorority thing where they're sing loudly at three o'clock in the morning in the dormitories. Okay. Um, a student yells out his window, "Go home, you water buffaloes!" Um, a completely nonsensical statement, um, and he's brought up on charges of racial harassment with the possibility of being expelled because he called now, them water buffaloes. Because he called them water buffaloes. Meanwhile, okay. people are are looking through the dictionary to try to figure out how how. Uh, how, how when water buffalo became an epithet. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I can see. How, I wouldn't like to be called a water buffalo, but I don't consider right. it a racial epithet. You know, I mean, I suppose that. Exactly. I, I I think that water buffaloes are from Southeast Asia, aren't they? I mean, they, 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 they are indeed. Okay. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, this case came. Um, this case got international attention. This case, uh, Gary Trudeau and Rush Limbaugh both made fun of it. Um, the, the The Times of London, the New York Times, the, the New York Post. All agreed that this was absolutely ridiculous. Meanwhile, two years ago, I had a case where a student was found guilty for reading a book publicly. Yeah, I, I remember we talked about this case um, on Free Talk Live. I think it's probably the, the I think it's the big one that you guys have had, the, the largest feather in your cap, that that giant uh-huh. ostrich plume kind of feather. <laughs> well, we've got actually. I've got. I got to say, I think we've got ones that. Uh, One's a compare to this one in, okay. in, in craziness, but definitely it's it's right at the top. And this is a this is a case where do you want me to explain it? Or? Yes, please do. People people want to know. This is a case um, where a student um, who was working his way through school um, as, as a janitor um, <laughs> was reading a book called Notre Dame versus the Klan. It's a book that celebrates the defeat of the Klan in a 1924 riot. It's actually a really fun read. Mm-hmm. Um, he was found guilty of racial harassment because the book had pictures of Klansmen on the cover. Now, the, the, from actual photos for an event related to the, to the riots. So he person's... was found guilty of racial harassment without a hearing. So uh, a black staff member saw pictures of Klansmen, assumed that uh, this, this white student slash janitor was reading a racially biased book and decided that that was harassment to her. Isn't that a, uh, we, don't, we don't know who particularly um, uh, reported it. Um, but something like that, and usually, but the thing is, it's usually the administrators who are really the problem. Like whoever reported it, crazy things get reported all the time. The fact that the affirmative action officer at the university decided to find um, the student guilty of racial harassment again without a hearing, and and the, the letter what, is, a, is is an unbelievable read. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. What does the the um, affirmative action officer at the university do besides hassle people for really stupid things? Though? <laughs> I mean, I wish I know, but apparently they got promoted for uh, finding people guilty of racial harassment for, uh, well, uh, for reading a book. If you're the uh, if you're the affirmative action officer, of course you get promoted for finding bigots. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, that's why we have more cops because they need to find more criminals. 
Okay, so, <laughs> so tell me some of these other uh, big feathers, and then I want to spend the last half of the interview talking about victories that you guys have had, and then tell people how they can get a hold of you if, if they need to, or those kind of things. Absolutely. Well, uh, definitely a case that, that uh, has become recently important again is that Tufts University is trying to talk out of two th- sides of its mouth, saying that it respects freedom of speech, but that freedom of speech is not absolute at Tufts. Now, of course, freedom of speech in the sense of kind of like sticking people up or true threats or all that kind of stuff, not even the law is absolute. But what they're really trying to do is pretend like they protect free speech, but then punish anything that's on PC. Yeah. This goes back to a circumstance a couple years ago, two years ago, where a student, uh, a conservative student newspaper, uh, published one uh, article that they apologized for making fun of affirmative action, but then really crossed the line when they published an article um, during Islamic Awareness Week. Um, and Islamic Awareness Week was something that the university was running to try to make people know the, you know, the softer side of Islam, I guess. Yes. And the conservative newspaper thought there was an over, overly rosy depiction and wrote a series of quotes from the Quran and verifiable facts about um, a radical Islam and a war of Islamic extremism um, in an ad. They were found guilty of racial harassment. Hmm. for publishing that, when it's all verifiable facts. It, it is, to my knowledge, the first time in American history that someone's actually been found guilty of, of harassment for publishing something true. And the university has stood by this punishment. They have refused to overturn it um, year after year. Um, even though and they did, I, I, we looked into it, they got one thing wrong. One of the things that they wrote in the ad was that there are seven Islamic theocracies in the world that punish homosexuality by death. There Sounds are actually low. eight Islamic theocracies that punish homosexuality by death. So they missed one. So how do Other you? Than that, it's all true. How do you um, go to a university? I mean, how do you go to a university and get them to change their their rulings? You said that they've affirmed it year after year, and I'm just I'm, I was assuming you use the court system, but do you not? Well, actually, there are, our, our absolute main weapon is um, uh, public pressure. Um, it's actually in a lot of ways much more effective than the courts because when universities do things this ridiculous. Um, they get they, they get correctly lambasted um, in the court of public opinion. They get donors and alumni writing in, um, and they also know that they're going to be they'll, they'll lose if it comes down to a court case. And it, and do, it's important to know that we do win something close to 95 percent of the cases that we fight, and that includes both ones that we refer over to people in our legal network to sue. But we primarily win just by sunlight, just by taking things public. Um, but that there are, there are situations like Tufts where they refused to back down. Meanwhile, Brandeis, which has also refused to back down, they found a, guilty, a, pres- a professor guilty of racial harassment for using the word wetback in his Latin American studies class to explain where it came from oh, I see. and criticize its use. So uh, if he was, he was explaining that wetback means that somebody crossed the Rio Grande or something like that? Which a lot of people don't know. Right. I, I, well, it's education. I mean, I don't see any reason sure. that it's a, it's a problem. I, I, I find it an offensive word to use um, you know, otherwise, but sure. <laughs> if you're explaining why it is that people are called that, or, or for instance, explaining the difference between the N-word and, and niggardly, which is an entirely different word. I don't think yep. that um, you know, talking about the etymology of a word is harassment. That sounds silly to me. No. Textbook definition. Actually, it's literally. If you look it up on the internet now, it's, it, it's literally on one website become the uh, definition of the distinction between a men- a, a mentioning and using <laughs> a, a, a word. Okay. Um, and in this case, it, it, that uh, using a word is you know if you, if, if you had called a student that 
the issue would be whether or not that was professional. Of course, nobody would argue that calling your student an epithet would be professional. Right. But when you're explaining a word, that's, that's nonsense. Um, I, I mean, that's, 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 that's actually in an episode of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't ever get to see television, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. Now, how about some of the victories that you guys have had? I know you had a big one relatively recently, and um, you and I met, by the way, at the uh, the Freedom uh, Fest out in, in Vegas, and we had a really great conversation. Always con- fun. Yep, but we had a great conversation. That's the reason I wanted to have you on the show. But now tell me some of the victories you've had, guys have had, because you've had a lot of them, and they don't seem to get as much press as far as I'm concerned that they deserve. I like to hear of, about victories for freedom, and I don't hear about very many victories for freedom. Well, we've had uh, we, we get we, we mostly win, believe it or not, and I really do wish they got um, uh, they got more uh, media attention. Um, a good recent one was um, East Georgia College back down. Um, now this is now it's sad that this happened at all, but a professor complained about the lack of protections at, at, in, a, in a seminar on the sexual harassment policy complained about the, the lack of, per, uh, of protections for frivolous claims um, at a sexual harassment seminar. So he got in two trouble for... Later, <laughs> That's crazy. Two Go days ahead. later, they fired him um, for violating the sexual harassment policy um, because of this uh, complaint. Oh, and for two months, they were claiming that they had something on this guy. They're like, oh, we have something on him, we have something on him. And then um, a, you know, a couple weeks ago, they actually just said, well, you know, we really didn't have it. Please try to be nice to everybody. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, no, it's amazing. It's like you actually thought you could get away with that. So did, um, did what did he do? I mean, what, uh, what did, did they give him his job back? I mean, does he want his freaking job back after that? Um, does he get a, a settlement? I mean, how does that work? Given um, that we actually uh, got them to back down at every stage, his job is his job is fine. He's got his job. He he actually they initially fired him, then they backed away from that. Okay. Um, and, and then he was teaching again. So really, it's just been a series of backpedaling. But I would I would kind of like them to be sued too. <laughs> yeah. That was... I think they deserve it. I I think so too. Suing I mean firing somebody for for saying that look. So people can make frivolous lawsuits over sexual harassment here. Absolutely. Every guy knows it's true that um, that his claim of sexual harassment is nothing compared to some woman's claim of sexual harassment. If if uh, a woman claims it, he's guilty until proven innocent. If he claims it, he's got a world of, of proven to, to do. Yeah, and, and that's something that also people need to understand, though, is how harassment gets used. Now, I can't remember really the last time we had a case where it was someone hitting on somebody who got in trouble for harassment. Um, it as is if that's terrible. As, as if it's it terrible is. to try to hit on your coworker. I mean, you know, th- there's certainly better ways and worse ways to do it, but I... You know, is it an issue for the state? No. Right. Um, but at the same time, it, it gets used for political speech all the time. It's political speech that it, get, that it gets used for. It gets used for someone reading a book about the Klan. It gets used for someone explaining the word wetback in class. Um, it gets it, it, it get used. It get it gets used. It's kind of the fallback weapon in all of these cases. Just absolutely hmm. stunning. So, tell me about some other victories you guys have had uh, re- relatively recently. Well, um, we got a. There was a political litmus test at Grand Valley State University um, where the, <laughs> that, that they uh, dropped after we became involved. Um, there was a student who was uh, at the education school who was who was a dissenter um, who would just complain about the education school, and they were trying to force her out. And she finally was able to graduate in May. That was just the summer. Um, those are uh, some, some pretty good ones. We had a victory at Arizona. We actually have got so many that's hard to even choose. Um, the uh, oh, uh, one, one that we didn't uh, uh, 
quite win, though, um, that we're still fighting. Bucknell University told um, students at Bucknell that they couldn't have a, an event making fun of um, uh, the Obama stimulus plan by handing out Monopoly money um, called Obama, about Obama stimulus bucks. Um, they're actually still standing by that one, but I think if we keep the pressure on them, we can win that one. Huh. It's... You know what's so funny about this is I, I've uh, being having been in you know the libertarian movement for a while now. You know you just don't see that many uh, organizations that have that many many victories. It's um, yep. it's it's kind of you know I, disconcerting when you think of all these organizations that that get money and then they don't have a lot of results. But I I love <laughs> hearing about fire and their good Thanks. results. Um, now if, well definitely check. Oh sorry. I was just going to say um, you know if people uh, want to. Get, get a hold of you. Either they're having harassment troubles, or you know, for some reason they're interested in, in freedom around education. Um, you know, how do they do that? Uh, what kind of people in particular are you looking for? That kind of thing. Well, uh, uh, check out thefire.org. Um, we have a tremendous number of resources. We have. Uh, we can talk about. There are hundreds of cases listed on the site. We also have have a big video project, so you can watch video on incredible programs that we like when we defeated. At the University of Delaware, we have a video actually about the, the, the case where the student was reading the book. We have a video about a student who got in trouble at, a, at another college in Georgia for reading a collage. Um, so definitely check that out. If students get in trouble or students or faculty members get in trouble for their speech on campus, we have a, uh, we have a, uh, a button right at the top that lets you submit a case to us. We get back to you very quickly. Um, we have guides, uh, we have video. I mean, we're definitely, we're, we're trying very hard here to put ourselves out of business. Uh, but unfortunately, as you, as you said, there seems to be an increasing need for us, not a decreasing need for us. Tell me about this mural in uh, Delaware State University or whatever it is. Oh, the well, there's, there's two different things. But um, the, uh, the Valdosta, well, this was a case where a student was criticizing uh, the, the university decision to put up a parking garage, which the university president pathetically referred to as his legacy. Oh, my. Um, and after getting dressed down by the president, um, the, the student who was objecting to it made a collage referring to the garage as the President Zachariah Memorial Parking Garage uh-huh. with pictures of, of dump trucks and that kind of stuff. They slipped a note under his door um, telling him he was expelled and he had 48 hours to get off campus um, <laughs> with the collage stapled to um, the, the expulsion notes. So there's no doubt what it was about. Right. Um, because he, because obviously that was a threat upon the life of the president. What else could it be? The university. You called it I the know. memorial garage. For God's sakes, clearly you were going to kill the man. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the funny thing about this guy is he's a decorated EMT and a Shambhala Buddhist. Oh. And I've, I, and I've been looking at the the, the, the litigation go, going on here has been hysterical because just every document that comes up shows that it, in this case. President it was just a bully, and, that, and in some cases, that's all it is. It's just sort of like someone in the administration is just a power mad jerk. And in this case, um, he uh, just wanted the student out. Meanwhile, the University of Delaware, that one, oh god, that, that's a program that I, I definitely think it t- tends to horrify people just because of its, bro- its breadth. It was a um, re-education program for all seven thousand students in the dormitories. I'm trying to heal them of their racist and sexist nature by a series of laughably unconstitutional or cringingly unconstitutional um, programs. They included a speech code that, for example, placed offensive speech at the same level as rape or murder. You had to report it, rape, murder, and offensive speech. Oh, my. Um, immediately. is insane. They had um, public shamings for people with wrong political opinions, which meant that <laughs> you had one, one political opinion, you had to go up against that wall, and the other one, the good one, you went that wall. 
And most, probably most stunningly of all, they had a mandatory questionnaire that you had to fill out with your RA right, standing right in front of you about what races and sexes you would date with the goal of getting you more open to date different races and sexes. When a student, uh, when a female student actually responded to this questionnaire by saying none of your damn business, they wrote up her. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm totally serious. I'm totally serious. So crazy. Yeah, we beat this one by taking it public quickly. Yeah. Um, but we have a video on it. Just, I just, you know, I want people to see it for themselves. Go to the fire.org. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'll have you on in, in a few months uh, to see what else is going on, okay? Terrific. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Mark. Yep, and b- before Bye. we go, um, who wins in a battle between Captain America and Spider-Man? I, I, I'm a big, big fan of Captain America, but i got to say he's just not as powerful as Spider-Man. All right. I want Captain America to win, but Spider-Man's more powerful. All right, Greg. Well, I don't know about that next interview. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Take care. Bye.